and welcome to the 67th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Chowan. Joining me today, we have Mark Nadu and Ash Collins. And uh, I want to start by saying thank you to both of you guys just for your support and your your understanding the last couple of weeks here while I try to fix up things at my house so we were able to podcast again. Uh, for those that aren't aware, my wife and I, we got back from vacation a couple weeks ago now and had some serious issues here at the house that needed to be taken care of. Uh, well, those ended up taking about two weeks longer to fix than I initially anticipated. So we just hadn't been able to get together to podcast, uh, you know, to record. So things are looking better on the home front, though. So we are back behind the mics again this week. So, Ash, how the hell have you been? Oh, I have just... Awesome. And and how about you, Mark? How are things going? Good. Busy. Doing yeah? things. Making hell deals. Yeah. <laughs> Selling stuff. I- Hell yeah, always, that's what I like to hear. Always be selling, always be closing. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just all over the place. I'm so Whoa. spread thin, I look good again. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear both of your voices once again. So as always, just a reminder, you can interact with us in a few different ways. You can find us on Twitter, at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at cinefessions.com. Finally, you can also leave a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. We love comments, questions, concerns, whatever. So please reach out to us using any of those three aforementioned services, and we would love to interact with you that way. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash cinefessions, and check out our long list of past reviews and all the previous 66 podcasts at cinefessions.com. So before we jump into the show, let's uh, listen to some listener feedback. Yay! So a few weeks back, our loyal listener Brent uh, sent us a voicemail to enter into the Sex World giveaway. So uh, this is his voicemail from then, so let's take a listen. Hey guys, Brent here calling just to enter the uh, competition to win Sex World on Blu-ray. Um, if I was to win, I think I'd being outside the United States, I'd nominate a good friend of mine in the United States to win the prize. However, my suggestion for a director whose work I would like to see you guys cover would be Adam Wingard. Now, I would mainly, I would get Goldface's main three releases rather than, he's got lots of short work and, and, but that's got, that's up to you guys if you can get hold of that earlier thing, uh, those earlier works. But um, we've got the new Blair Witch, which I imagine you guys are going to want to cover at some point anyway. So it would be good to have a, a reason to do that. And probably by the time you get to this arc, I imagine the new Blair Witch would be coming out on DVD about that time. You've got The Guest, which me and Mark uh, have both seen. And we've both recommended to Brandon at different times. It would be a good uh, excuse for Brandon. And I can't remember if Ash said he'd seen it. But definitely a good excuse for Brandon to actually sit down and watch the guest that we, uh, so he knows what me and Mark keep talking about. And, uh, you're next, which is not the greatest film, but it's, it's a good slasher nonetheless. And I like some of the ideas it played with. And I think it'd be interesting to hear you guys talk about it. Well, thanks guys. That's my suggestion. Adam Wingard. And, uh, I'll catch you next time. See ya. Bye bye. All right. So there's that from, um, Brent, thank you very much for the Adam Wingard suggestion. Mm-hmm. Now, he actually mentions in there, Ash, have you, uh, he didn't remember if you'd seen The Guest or not. Have you seen that one, Ash? Um, no, don't. If you have, you don't remember it? I don't know. Off the top of my head, no. I'll, yeah. I couldn't remember when we were talking about it because I know um, it's one that 
uh, he that Brent has actually suggested multiple times in the past, and it's also one that you talked about, Mark. You really like that one, right? I really did. Uh, it deserves a rewatch. I've only seen it one time, but it, uh, it I just remember it so fondly, and I was like. You know, you get that feeling, wow, this movie is so great. You know, you just remember when you actually watch it for the first time. Yeah. And that's how I feel about this movie. I only seen it the one time, but it was that good that I just recommend it to as many people as I can. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's definitely one I want to. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think I added it to my list. Oh, yeah. But I don't think I watched it. Okay. Yeah, the only one I guess I've seen out of those those three that he mentioned, what I've seen your next, and uh, honestly, I didn't like it that much. So it's definitely one I would be willing to give a, a rewatch to. But and I uh, loved it. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, I and just, it didn't sound like Brent loved it that much either. He said it was it was decent, but is it maybe he didn't get it because of the accent? Like the American accent is kind of weird for him. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> who knows man who knows yeah oh yeah that's another movie that i've seen multiple times but i love your next for a home invasion film Mm -hmm. i thought it hit all the right beats Hmm. and the casting is so good it's like it's a it's a it's a bunch of friends together making a movie you know yeah have either of you seen the new blair witch no not yet okay i had two passes uh, money wise (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i had free passes but it played at 11 o'clock at night locally and i had to work mm. the next morning so there's no way i was going to make it right yeah exactly yeah it's definitely one i'll be catching when it hits blu-ray but yeah i think so too i think i'll probably yeah. just wait and pick it up Mm-hmm. because i know i will <laughs> yeah exactly right i just picked up i was at uh used uh it's called Second and Charlie. And it's like they sell used media, basically. Okay. And uh, I found Blair Witch 2 or what a Book of Shadows, Book of Shadows. Blair Witch 2 on yeah. DVD. So I had to pick it up. It was really cheap. So that deserves a rewatch. Yeah, I've, absolutely. I only saw the one time. I don't remember hating it. Yeah, I watched it once. It was back on VHS. It okay. was right when it maybe within the past like few months of after it came out on VHS. Yeah. Um, and I remember it being super weird, but I was probably 12, uh, I don't even know, 11, so 12 young, years old, so something like that. And influenced and exactly. probably molestable. <laughs> <laughs> shit, shit, inner voice, inner voice. Oh my gosh. Uh, time that, folks. <laughs> Hashtag, you're in trouble. <laughs> oh, so thank you, Brent, for that. We really appreciate your call in. And, uh, just so you're aware, Brent, I have sent that package out. I sent it out yesterday. You should be receiving that probably by the time this podcast goes live this Friday. So thank you again. So fellow listeners, be like Brent. Call in, leave us a message, and be a part of an upcoming Cinefessions podcast. We'd love to hear any suggestions that you might have for us. So, All right. And last but not least, just get a quick reminder of our upcoming schedule for the show. I know we were kind of basically October got fucked because of <laughs> because of the problems I was having. Um, and it's kind of going to f- finish that way also. So we have this episode, which is going live on Friday, October 21st. And then we're taking another week off just because of scheduling conflicts and vacations. So that's my fault. Um, that's totally fine. And so then we're going to return with our next set of podcasts on Friday, November 4th. So remember, we have two more episodes of the space horror uh, which is what we're starting today and then we're going to kick off another arc after that which we will talk about uh not yet but in probably another week or so so i have a question just so you know look for friday november 4th for our next podcast 
I, I have a question regarding genres. Yeah. Well, space horror, cool genre. Mm-hmm. Has there been ever? Has there ever been a space romantic comedy? <laughs> a space rom com. Um, but that's still on Earth, though. <laughs> like, yeah. ro- like a romantic comedy. The only I, Galaxy Quest is a comedy, but it's not really a romantic comedy. No, right? Yeah. Like I don't think there has been. I think you guys want to pull your monies together. Space <laughs> romantic comedy. There it is, Space rom com. Hit me up, okay? I'm gonna write myself a little, uh, a little script, maybe oh, a, little, yeah. a little skeleton. Get get some ideas down on paper. Star it's Trek money. Insurrection. Star Trek Insurrection is technically a romantic comedy because Picard's got a romance in it, and then there's uh, funny bits. Did, to it, so. did Data have sex with the Boar Queen in that one? No, that's first contact. Okay, because that was kind of hot. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, man. Anyway. Well, that's our million-dollar idea. That's what I do. Out there for I take, the world to take. I take podcasts, and I veer them off course easily. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my mutant gift. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so we haven't talked in almost a month now, so Ash... What the hell have you been doing in the world of media or otherwise these past few weeks? Got the new expansion. I've uh, been playing through that. Okay. Um, On PS4, right? Yes. Um, Very good. That's been pretty good. Um, if you didn't like, you know, the other expansions for Destiny, like it, it, I compare it to like the the one that they did last year. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as like content and new Taken King, and yeah, and, and and stuff like that, it's a lot like that. Uh, I actually prefer this one over Taken King because you don't have to like it. The they did some neat things with the areas and stuff like that, and you know you don't have to fly all the way out to Saturn to go do stuff and shit. So because uh, it's all set around Earth. Um, oh okay. Um, but uh, the 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 different things that they've got going forward are pretty good. Um, just what I played through. Um, I'm not nowhere near level enough, even though I've sunk hours and hours and hours into it. I am still <laughs> not ready to do the raid yet, but uh, yeah, because the raid requires some pretty hefty gear, and I'm just not. Yeah. Um, so I've been playing that. Uh, I watched through uh, all of uh, Longmire Season 5. Uh, I watched through all of uh, Luke Cage. Oh, okay. Uh, How was that Luke- one? Luke Cage was excellent. Yeah. Uh, really well done. Um, they they do a lot. It's a great cast. Uh, the storyline's really good. They they did a decent job bringing them together. Um, it, it's it's kind of got the... Um, it's a little bit... Uh, how do I want to put it? It's a little bit brighter, I think, than, than Daredevil, but it kind of has that grittiness to the fight scenes. Yeah, um, but it, it feels more like um, Jessica Jones in that um, it's kind of uh, dealing more with uh, one enemy throughout the season type of thing. Oh, okay. Um, and him trying to figure out what's going on. Um, so, so it, it's a nice blend. Uh, it's that one's pretty good. Uh, if you like Longmire, season five was pretty good. Um, sure. Oh, yeah. I so. One sec, before we move on to the next one, before uh, rate the MCU um, like TV series on Netflix, what's your order between Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and um, Luke Cage? Luke Cage. 
Um, right now, I would actually put Daredevil Season 2 last. Um, okay. Uh, not because it's bad, but because mm-hmm. they it's kind of rambly. Um, oh. It's kind of all over the place. It's not nearly as good as the first season. Um, then I would put uh, Daredevil Season 1 and then Luke Cage. Uh, I actually preferred Luke Cage over the Daredevil show. Okay. Um, and then uh, I would put Jessica Jones first. I like that's Jessica so your Jones favorite. Show. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the Defenders. I have no idea about anything about Iron Fist, so I'm going into this blind with that one. Um, <laughs> so me too. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, against my better judgment, I ended up watching Scream because it's on that. Oh, did you? Yes. How's that going? I haven't started it yet. I have the whole thing on my DVR so that's played so far, and I haven't watched it yet. Um, well, I guess there's one more episode that's supposed to air this month that's supposed to take place like nine months later. Um, oh. It, it, but that's not on Netflix yet. So, um, oh. But I watched everything that they had on Netflix, which actually brings the season to a close. It's just this episode they <laughs> saved for Halloween for whatever reason. Um but uh, you know, I have been hearing about the Halloween episode. Is that is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, and that okay. I don't know if that's aired already or if it's going to air. Um, okay, it this month. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a gimmick. It's of course they saved it. Um, but uh, season two was a little bit better than season one. Really? Um, mainly because Jake dies like pretty quick into it, and it's pretty brutal and awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which one's uh, Jake? I, I'm forgetting. He was the annoying one that Brooke ended up with at the end of season one. Oh, okay. Yeah, the one that we were we originally thought he was one of the killers because he was right. one of the dudes that had paired up together. Yeah the the only thing I don't like about season two is it they tried to throw like a monkey wrench your way as to who the killer is. Yeah. Um, if you're paying attention um, throughout, especially if you're binge watching it like I did, because um, mm-hmm. I watched it over like two days. Uh, Which is so different because that's what we talked about. If we watched the first season, if we binge watched that, we might have liked it more than yeah, and I think watching it might, week by week. Yeah, and I think that might be part of it because it was yeah. boom, 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 you know, one to the other. Um <laughs> It was kind of interesting, uh, but the 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 twist it was just like it, it, they made it too obvious. You know, there it was the whole they're sm- they're they're they think they're smarter than they are type of thing. Yeah, it's just like it, the twist is. It's like okay, you projected that way too much, so <laughs> whatever. Um, but uh, so overall, I I, I rated a little bit higher than season one. It's still okay. not great i would rather they did a scream five than the tv show but right you know whatever um and then, yeah the, the first season holds a, a a special place in my heart simply because of the fact that it was kind of what uh kick-started the podcast and turned it into a, a weekly tradition and so i like it for that but yes that was a, a disappointing first season and so i've not been anxious to jump onto the second season they do kill more people in the second season than they do in the first that's good. So, it, it, you know, it actually, you know, works as a slasher series as opposed to a, right. you know, we're kind of a slasher series, but we haven't killed anyone for five episodes. So exactly. <sighs> yeah. 
Uh, and then uh, Dark Matter, one of the sci-fi shows I like, uh, is on Netflix. He's on Netflix, so I've been watching that. I'm not done mm. with that one. I'm only like halfway through. Okay. And just to jump on there, because I have some people have been asking me, because we did Scream Season 1. We also did Ash, um, Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 1. And some were wondering if we were going to you know, podcast through Season 2 of either of those. Um, and we decided not to. Uh, but... Definitely in the future, I do see us doing an episode devoted to Scream Season 2 and an episode devoted to Ash vs. Dead Season 2 just because those are, you know, uh, two shows in particular that really brought in a lot of listeners. And so uh, definitely want to, you know, reward you guys for listening to us through all this other bullshit uh, if you like us talking about the TV series. So we will definitely do an episode on each one of those in, in the future. Um not sure when at this point. We might have to wait till they hit Blu-ray. But well, yeah, just just to, to throw that out. Don't forget Netflix. New yeah. episodes of uh, Dark Mirror season three. Is, oh yeah. Uh, oh Black Mirror. Or Black Mirror. Pardon me. Black Mirror season three is. Uh, Are they I, out? No, I think it's end of this month. Unless it's oh, this week. Okay. It could be the tw- what they were today, the nineteenth. Uh, recorded yes. on Wednesday. Um, it could be this week. It could be next week. But I'm pretty okay. sure email I saw. Unknown how many episodes they're, uh, they've produced, but yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it's this month. It's October 2016. Interesting. We might have to uh, kind of shoehorn them in at uh, some point. Kind of, right? Uh, yeah. Just, they're, just, they're like mini yeah. movies. So. Exactly. Right. So interesting. Very mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Excellent. All right. And what about you, Mark? What is your month of media and otherwise been consisting of you know if i went through everything i watched in last month because i think (laughs) we recorded the last recorded like you know uh september 19th or something yeah i think Um, you're right so i'm not gonna go through everything just because we'll be here till midnight right Um, i skipped a bunch of things but i hit the highlights (laughs) yeah i'm just gonna talk a few um so non-movie wise um i went to seminole wasteland uh, the first weekend of October. That's right. Yeah, got my uh, Night of the Comic poster signed. Um, that was really the only guest. And there, I'm not super excited for the next big reunion show in uh, in April. I'm excited to go to see my friends, but just the show itself, it's a Night of the Living Dead reunion. And I, I'm just, I, I've met a few of the stars already. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm not not super excited. So like right now, I don't think I'll get anything signed at the next show just because I'm I'm just not I'm just not excited for it. You know, are you a huge fan of the film or kind of lukewarm on it? Honestly, kind of lukewarm. Yeah. Um, I'm more of a dawn and day. Yes, but yep. you won't have those two without night, and you won't have zombie films. I don't think it'd be so popular if it wasn't for a night, you know? Right. So it's a, you know, it, it was it was an original. It was a doorway to, you know, this type of monster film. I'm just, I don't know. I just, it never resonated to me as much as Dawn did in his day. Mostly Dawn. Dawn was the first one I saw. Um, yeah. And I was just like enamored by it. Um, hmm. Night is a fantastic film, but... I'm yeah. just not a super fan, you know, so I'm not going to yeah. go out of my way to get myself a, a poster and get all these pictures. And plus, a lot of the stars also have, they keep doing the show every every few, you know, uh, editions of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it won't be the only time I'll meet them. But at the same time, the film is old now, you know, yeah. so oh, yeah. how many cast members, you know, that were, you know, adults in the film are still going to be able to do these shows in the future. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. So you're talking the '60s one, not the '90s. Right? Yeah, the '60s one. You know, funny. I'd probably be more excited for the '90s version. Yeah, I was gonna say. Now that I would, I love, love, love that movie. I think I watched it for the first time in uh during CSSC four, maybe. Okay. And uh, man, I fucking love that movie. Yeah, and uh, now is it a great film? No, but it's got something to it. It's got that early '90s feel, you know. Yeah. Um, like you know, girl, short hair, big round glasses. As it seems to be <laughs> that the fashion of the era right. is very funny when you revisit these films, you know. Well, uh, part on of the, a bit part of a '90s kick. I, yeah, part of the reason I like the '90s version better is because um, the the woman who stars in that um, was one of my favorite characters on Babylon Five. Okay. Oh. Yeah. 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 The I, redhead. Uh, I had a huge crush on her. Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. Pretty, she's pretty cute. I will admit that. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah. So yeah. So that's that's the next wasteland. Uh, so obviously, I'm still gonna go. Um, I just you know yeah. I'll probably save a few bucks, which mm-hmm. means I'll have more money to put towards Severin films and exactly. uh, Vinegar Syndrome, which I if you look at my Instagram, I bought a lot of movies. <laughs> Hell yeah, you did. I loved it. I still have a lot of movies from the April show I haven't opened yet. So, <laughs> yeah, I am slowly drowning into my own media, which that's a problem I'm happy to have. Exactly. Um, the interest rate on my credit card, otherwise, is <laughs> so uh, enticing. But you only know? live once, right? YOLO, everybody. Right. YOLO. Um, so, okay. So, yeah. So, I, I went to Cinema Wasteland. And I was very lucky because we had a bit of a hiatus podcast-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, my good friend uh, Ian El Gore from the Talk Without Rhythm podcast, we actually uh, recorded an episode of his podcast at Cinema Wasteland. That's right. So it was uh, myself, uh, Andy Tiefenbach from the Destroy the Brain podcast, and uh, Ian uh, El Gore from the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. Uh, we did episode, uh, I think it was 336, if I my notes uh, are correct. Let me just go back here. It was, yeah, uh, probably 339. Uh, so we did uh, an episode based on the burbs and as well as the people under the stairs. Okay, so very that good. that was fun. I don't know what the reception is yet because I haven't gotten yeah. better in my own podcast listening. I'm still about a month behind. And <laughs> I'm probably going to skip my episode just because I don't like the sound of my voice. Uh, <laughs> so if anybody's listened, please let me know how I did. Is that um, which pod, the Talk drunk. Without Rhythm podcast? Uh, Talk Without Rhythm podcast. Yeah, Thorpe. Um, so I did put a little plug into uh, our podcast as well. Um, Good. Now, I might have pronounced it as Cinefessions just because I had a little wobbly pops. Um, even though I think at the end I did correct myself as Cinefessions, so I do apologize on that. But, uh, yeah, uh, he actually put links up to our podcast in his episode notes. So uh, hopefully uh, we get a, a bump in uh, listeners once uh, our new episodes do come out. Um no. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was lots of fun. You know, it's my first podcast podcast I did where we're all face to face. So it was kind of cool. We we're all like, you know, uh, we had all our awesome. shirts off and we were all like huddled together <laughs> on a mic. You know, it was it, it was really nice. It was really, really nice. And you know what else is nice? I know not everybody here drinks, but I had the Black Phillips Cider. Uh, did you guys uh, see that uh, in your local no. liquor stores? Um, Black Philip Cider, based off uh, the witch film, and it's uh, oh. yeah, it's a apple cider. Um, I'm just checking to see right now. I can't buy it in Canada, but it's by Blake's Hard Cider. They're the ones who released it, 
and it pretty much in Michigan. Blake's Heart Cider in Michigan. Is that local, dude? If you yes, I want to drive down just to bring some back. We actually cleared the Giant Eagles stock of it when we went to Wasteland because, (laughs) as a horror fan, uh, you kind of have to drink the Black Phillip. You know, Um, that's awesome. It was actually quite delicious. I only had a six. I I think no, I think I bought twelve. No, I only bought six. And I had a few. I left one for my buddy Bort because he couldn't uh, make it to this wasteland. It was his first one. He's the one who got me into Cinema Wasteland. And this was his first oh. one. He couldn't go due to, uh, you know, he was just sick, which is too oh, bad. Okay. I left him a can. Now, that can <laughs> is staring at me in my cupboard every time I open it. If I can hold <laughs> off drinking it before. Man, I sound like an alcoholic. It is that good. You get under the spell <laughs> and you just want to drink it. It is it's so delicious. It's actually really good. Um, so I, I I went to my local liquor stores actually today because I had to buy a bottle for a party moving to next weekend. And uh, yeah. I can't order it in. It'll cost me an arm and a leg. But I oh, feel geez. like it's worth making a trip you know, to a border town. And mm-hmm. make, first of all, make sure they have it. And then just buy as much as I can. Do these be damned. It is yeah. And the can's badass too. Um so yeah, um, so again, not movie related, but it is movie related. But yeah, uh, the Black Phillip cider from Blake's Hard Cider. If you can pick it up, do it. Uh, <laughs> it was really good. So that being said, um, movie wise, I'll you know what? I'm just gonna talk about some highlights. Um, I went. Okay. I had the opportunity to go see the Greasy Strangler at oh, the okay. Theater in Ottawa. Do you guys know what the Greasy Strangler is at all? Have you heard about it? Uh, we, I've heard people talking about it, but I frankly, I don't know what it is, I guess. I just it, heard people talking about it. It's weird. It. It's it's okay. really weird. Um, it's produced by a whole bunch of people, but uh, Ant Timpson is uh, one of the major producers, Elijah Wood. I think it's mm. not weird like Eraserhead. It's more weird like um, Wrong Cops or Rubber. Um, oh, okay. It's that kind of oh, man. What? Yeah. First of all, I don't want I don't want to um, spoil anything, but mm-hmm. they do have a red band trailer on YouTube. Okay. Go see it or or watch it. Um, it's like yeah. it a few minutes long. Uh, it is not safe for work, in the least. <laughs> the movie, um, uh, yeah, it's a hard R for for language for sex. Um, comedic mm. violence it's weird as fuck it is <laughs> oh you know what those who don't like this movie they're bullshit artists uh, because I think <laughs> this is so much fun um, it's 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 really no name cast um, like I'm looking at the Wikipedia for it right now um, you won't recognize any names um, no now the guy who plays Big Braden his name is Sky uh, Elobar now again without going on in um, on uh, IMDb, I believe he might have had a bit role in Lady Dynamite, um, the show on Netflix. Um, okay. Again, very bit, but he looks really different on that show than he does in this film. Um, yeah, it's weird. It, it's it's a it's a really black comedy, um, but it's fantastic. I, I think it got some crazy awards at Sundance because it's so out there. But it's not one of those films where you're looking at the clock like, when is this over? It's <laughs> it's so weird. You don't know where it's going to go next, but it's funny. It's gross. 
Um, it's perverted. Like, check it out if you have the chance. If it plays in a local uh, uh, theater, go see it. Yeah. Um, I give it four out of five mm. stars. You know, um, it's not awesome. a film I'm going to watch over and over again, but it's an experience mm-hmm. I'm not going to forget. It was me, uh, my girlfriend Melissa, and her two brothers were in town, aged 16 and 17. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> they loved it. They're from like they're from like a rural BC, British Columbia. Um, okay. So you know they go to school, they work, they go home, whatever. Funny guys, <laughs> really got along with them. Took them to this, and now it's like our inside joke. Like it's it's something to experience and not just watch. So oh, if wow. you can see in the theater with a crowd because it's worth it. If not. I suggest not to watch it alone. Watch it with friends because I think seeing other people's reactions to what you're seeing on screen is part of the fun. So okay. that's a big recommendation, The Greasy Strangler. Um, apart from that, um, I did get my Vestron Vision uh, copies of Chopping Mall and Blood Diner. I, ha- I yeah, haven't seen Blood Diner yet, but I watched a Chopping Mall. Um, haven't dived to, uh, I haven't dove too much into special features, but the film looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so awesome. that's awesome. Uh, I did get so at the wasteland this year, uh, vinegar syndrome again, huge table full of movies. I have to get a lot of them. Yeah, so I picked up all the Rudy Ray Moore films. So I've got you know, Dolomite, Human Tornado, mm. Disco Godfather, yeah. and Petey Wilshaw. Um, so <laughs> so I've never seen any of these movies before. So I brought Dol- Dolomite <laughs> to work. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. you watched it there. Uh, <laughs> it was so much fun to watch with co-workers <laughs> in a way I was like oh there's a lot of nudity here maybe someone oh, get offended okay. but no yeah. nudity was most like packed in the first like 20-30 minutes uh, okay. it's so much fun like the movie there's a That's reason awesome. why in the Great White Hope remake with Damon Wayans he watches mm-hmm. Dolomite for his big fight <laughs> <laughs> it is really good. Again, is it a great film? No, but it's just if you like this kind of stuff, you know, like the, the genre mm-hmm. stuff, you're gonna love Dolomite. Um, That's awesome. Apart from that, you know, I'm gonna leave it as that, just because I could go on and on, and okay. uh, yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll leave it as that. So those are my two big highlights uh, and my experiences uh, in the last like month or so. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, I um, yeah. we were able to watch some. Uh, films while well, we were on vacation and it was past week here um, and I also was able to beat another video game which is always exciting okay. for me um, I'll start with the game I ended up beating uh, Forza Horizon the original one I was playing it as like a backwards compatible title on the Xbox okay. one uh, I decided that I wanted to beat that one before I ended up buying the third one which looks um, good now yeah I've heard a lot of good things about so um, I'm really excited to pick that one up I just haven't with all the stuff going mm-hmm. on here I haven't been able to do that quite yet but uh, you know, Forza Horizon 2 is one of my favorite Xbox One games out there. I absolutely loved it. Um, and that one, it frankly, it improves a lot on where Horizon falls short. Uh, so it's definitely the better one of the two that I've played so far. But, I mean, Horizon 1 was still a good game. Um, the one thing that kind of limits Horizon versus Horizon 2 is you have so it's a free roam and so you have to drive from point A to point B. Well, in Horizon Two, you can just drive straight through the woods, you know, okay. just a straight line most of the time. You know, it was everything was open, everything was drivable. Whereas in the our first one, the original, it's limited. Every you know, there are um, like 
markers on the side of the road that are preventing you from driving through like open fields or woods or whatever, um, which is just a limit of being a last gen video game, you know? And so this one, uh, horizon two took advantage of that and you're able to virtually drive anywhere, which I absolutely love. So it's bad that in horizon one, you can just full time or full space and get to point B right away. Right. That's what I was thinking. If you just stick the pen through yeah. the half-naked women pic- pic- picture yeah, and just kind of appear. Because the closest space, uh, the closest distance of two spaces is zero. Right. Exactly. It's not a straight line. That's a wrong answer. Yeah. Zero. It's zero. You guys, are, you guys are forgetting the most important part. <laughs> what? Where we're going, we don't need eyes to see. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm jumping, but oh, that's all right. So anyway, yeah, I'm excited to get Forza Horizon Three now and beat that, so I can say I've beaten the entire series. Um, and Bridget and I also we started playing through Castle Crashers again. I don't know have either of you guys played this one. It was originally an Xbox 360 game. I've never game. played it, but I know what it is. Okay. No, yeah, it's just because uh, I have better taste in video game consoles, so I never owned a 360. You never owned a 360? Oh, really? I did, but uh, for some reason, I kept putting discs in, and it would have these circular scratches. Oh. So I brought it back. I, I had three 360s. I brought three back. I went PS3, and uh, I've had no problems huh. ever since. I uh, <laughs> still have my original Xbox 360, and I have no problems with it, so... Is it I don't plugged know. in? Just depends on. Because if you plug oh, it in, you might it. see a problem. I use it pretty regularly. Oh. I was playing the last Call of Duty game I was playing was on the 360. Did you ever buy that I'm HD gonna, DVD? I'm going to have add-on? to amend my statement then. Because uh, originally, it, it, up until you said that, everyone I know had had an Xbox 360 Red Ring of Death or Scratch Disc. Mm. Yeah, no. I've not suffered through either of them. And, and no, I did not buy the HD DVD add on. Um, I actually was looking for it. I don't know, maybe two or three years ago, and they had it at a flea market, but the price was stupid. I'm like, I'm not paying whatever it was, 50 or 60, 70 bucks, whatever the hell it was, yeah. for an HD DVD add-on when I have six Blu-ray players at my house. Like, it just doesn't make no, sense. It doesn't. So. Yeah. I've, I've never actually watched it. I never ended up doing it. You know, I don't know if there's that much it's, of a difference between uh, the Blu-ray and the no, HD DVD. Everything, I know I can't say from first-hand experience, but everything I heard back when it was out and since then was that they're virtually the same look-wise. Right. It's just porn. The porn industry chose Blu-ray. Good choice. And so we're watching Blu-rays now and not HD DVD. Again, I don't know how accurate that is, but that's what I've always heard and, and read. Yes. Thank you, pornography, for keeping so near <laughs> Yep, exactly. So anyway um, – <laughs> Yeah, we started playing Castle Crusher, and we actually beat it on the 360, but we were playing another one backward compatible okay. on the Xbox One. Uh, we were using on one TV for the past – we were finally able to use two separate TVs in this this past week, but otherwise it's been t- uh, just down to one TV. So we're kind of watching the same things and whatnot. Uh, so we ended up watching um, House of Darkness, which was this made-for-lifetime movie from earlier this year. And it's a haunted haunted house film. It started off pretty interestingly with some decent scare, like two decent scares, and then it just went completely downhill from there. It, sound, it started off okay, but just turned to shit afterwards. Uh, so don't recommend that one. Um, we watched a movie called Saint Vincent, uh, which has uh, Bill Murray in like a more serious role, um, alongside Melissa McCarthy, Naomi Watts, and this great child actor named Jaden Lieberher or something along those lines. It's like this. Uh, 
Bill Murray plays this grumpy old man and he starts babysitting the new neighbor's kid. And um, it's kind of just like this character study of, of who he is, why he is the way he is, and if there's anything more to him than basically the, the shitty exterior that he puts on. Um, and I th- thought that one was, was actually really surprisingly touching in uh, both Bridge and I really like that one. So I would definitely recommend that if you're into that type of, that type of story. But Are there any boobies in it? No. Delete. Nope. Naomi Watts does look pretty good in it, uh, but she's not uh, naked. When does she so she's uh, single now. Her and Liev Schreiber yeah. recently separated. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of attractive women, we watched uh, The Other Woman, which is basically like this one woman is married <sighs> and she um, bonds with her husband's two mistress- mistresses as the as the film goes on. And, um, you know, that this film... <laughs> I don't know why I like it, I, but I, I do. Oh. Like, I think it's better than it has any right to was, be. Was your clitoris and engorged while you were watching it? Was, was my what engorged? <laughs> your clitoris? Was it engorged? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know you know who the director of this is? Care. Yes, but who was it? John Cassavetes. John Cassavetes. Who's I... very well-known director, did a lot of... Well, he was in uh, Face Off films back in like uh, the French New Wave era of films uh, very influenced by that um, big in the big in the Criterion collection uh, just uh, I feel because he is such an expert filmmaker I feel he was able to turn this romantic comedy into something that was actually enjoyable I laughed quite a bit and Kate Upton is just ridiculously That's gorgeous the only so reason that. why I don't watch is for Kate Upton <laughs> have you seen this one? No. <laughs> oh man, I might watch it. Uh, yeah, you should. Like it's a, it's a good movie. And and if you lose a bet, mm-hmm. that's a total. That's a decent punishment. Oh, oh it's man. not John Cassavetes. It's his son Nick Cassavetes who's the director. Yes, Is it? It's his son. He's the one. He's oh, I mistyped he's the one then. Face off, um, and uh, he's also oh, a very okay. uh, decent poker player. Really? Yeah, his his father is John. I don't know what the hell I was looking at. I mistyped. Thank you for correcting no me. No problem. If I could rewind time and make you not watch this movie, uh, I would. Oh, it's it's not that bad. Hey, how was Notebook? Did you enjoy that one? You know, Notebook's a good movie, oh, too. I'll, I'll be right back. I'm getting a beer to man up this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Whatever. Hater gonna hate. Hater gonna hate. I'm moving on. I also watch a documentary on Netflix. They just released um, the documentary called Amanda Knox, which I'm sure you guys have heard of Amanda Knox, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the documentary, it's, it, it's actually really good. Um, it does a good job. Of, it presents both sides of the story. But it's also, you can tell that the filmmakers think she's innocent, uh, but so do I. Um, and so I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. Um, but if you don't know, so Amanda Knox, she's a, an American exchange student who went to study in Italy when she was 20. This was back, I want to say like 2006, I think. I could be wrong about the year. 2009, something, I don't know, whatever. And um, well, her roommate ends up dead. And Amanda and her new boyfriend, who she was dating for one week, were the main suspects in the trial, and eventually they were found guilty of the crime, and then they were acquitted. Uh, so it's just like a fascinating story. I absolutely love true crime, uh, which was 
you know, if you if you're a fan of Making a Murderer, which we talked about on the podcast, there's no reason you shouldn't watch this. I think you'd probably enjoy it. Um, now, I I don't know. It's just a really fascinating document. It's well shot, well presented, um, and tells a great story. Um, I heard that one of the I guess news casters or something there was like a lot of hate towards one like media guy in the film. I don't know. Yeah, because he was a real – he's a douchebag, so there should oh, be – okay, but he wasn't him. part of the – he wasn't the filmmaker. He was just one of the reporters during that time. Is that correct? Correct, okay. yeah. He was one of the people who were creating all these sensationalized headlines kind of like a Nancy Grace during the time. time. Was he Say like again? a Nancy Grace of the era? Um. Yeah, I mean it, he's, he's still doing what he does. It's like this was less than – this was about 10 years ago, you okay. know? So, I mean, um, yeah, it was just – them trying to sell newspapers, you know, and uh, he he just justifies it all in that sense. And uh, I don't know, he just comes off as a real douchebag in the film. Uh, both Bridget and I really just didn't well, like speaking him. Speaking of a um, true crime that we've covered already, um, yeah. I guess since since we've last recorded, Brendan Dassey from uh, Making a Murderer, he's been released. Yep. Or he's about to. Has he been? I hadn't read that. Okay, I knew he was. Or he's about to. Last I read, he was about to. I didn't know if he actually had been yet okay, or not. Okay, maybe the release date, uh, I don't have at the top of my head here. But uh, yeah, so he's okay. going to be let go. So how does that go yeah. for uh, the other guy? I forget what his name is. But, you know, so now apparently they're doing more episodes of that show. Uh, I'm excited yep. to see where this is going to be. Oh, absolutely. I still think it's the the ex-boyfriend that did it. That's my That's my suspicion. The ex-boyfriend. Yeah, he's the one that was in the media with the brother saying, I've got to find the killer, da, 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 you know. But he's the ex-boyfriend. Always blame him. Oh, Always, yeah, Because yeah. he never really looked into him, right? He kind of right. glazed over him I and think, went straight to the uh, to the Dassies. Yeah, I think they presented um, the Brendan Dassey's mother's boyfriend <laughs> yeah. as a pretty good that, suspect. Yeah. And I, I would like them to... I'd like to know more about that than like obviously I've read a lot about it since we've watched the documentary, mm-hmm. but it's still it's so it's just so ah, there's so much that you don't know and you can never know, so it's difficult. But uh, a couple more here, real quick. We um, last night we ended up watching Trick or Treat, which I'm assuming you both have seen that one. Oh heck yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ash. on Blu-ray. Okay, yeah, me too. Uh, to me, it's it's one of the better, one of the best Halloween movies out there. It's just, I feel like I learn something new every time I watch that movie. I really uh, love that film. And so we ended up watching that one again. Um, and we finally sat down to watch the new Ghostbusters film. Okay. Um, you know, I hear all the negativity on it, but I am a huge fan of the actresses that were involved. And Mark, I know you said you enjoyed it. Um, you know, I I didn't love it. I liked it a good deal, in fact, but I definitely didn't love it. I felt like it tried a bit too hard at points, sure. especially with Chris Hemsworth character, who I thought was just distractingly terrible. Really? I liked him oh in this one. Oh, my God. I thought it was – I wish they would have cut that out completely because he was horrendous. I, I like the total mimbo-ness of him. Oh, man. It's like Thor without the intellect. <laughs> But other than those moments with him, I thought the movie was pretty good. It made me laugh. I thought the special effects work was really well done. It had a very uh, distinct style to it, and I thought it worked really well. They kept with it the whole film. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought I would like it more than I did, and I hoped I did. But, I mean, honestly, I could say the same thing about the original Ghostbusters. I like the film, but I don't yeah. love it. I know that's going to hurt you. That's kind of a, a stab in the heart for you. 
it's okay. But, I, I know that you like girl movies, so I'm not. Yeah. Too, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not oh, too, too uh, uh, concerned about uh, your lack of Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I still gave it three out of three out of four stars. Uh, I was just hoping it would have been like a three and a half out of four, or a four out of four, but. Yeah, if you look at it as a horror film, I think it fails. But oh, if you look at it as a comedy, right, I which think is it's hilarious. I definitely went in expecting a comedy, but just some of the moments just really. I still yeah. what I don't like about the Ghostbusters release is that I want the 3D version, and Me the too. only way to get that is if you buy the 4K edition of the film, which retails oh. like three to four bucks Canadian. Because um, huh. the 4K's got the 4K, the 3D blue, the Blu-ray, and I think the digital copy. Um, so, I didn't. I didn't realize that it, the 4K version came with 3D because we're yeah. watching it and like um, on the Blu-ray that we have, the uh, special effects that would go into like the black bars at the top of the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, man, this would look really good in 3D. But I didn't think they released it in 3D. I completely missed the fact that it was on the 4K. Yeah, it's one of the few that way. Um, I'm it not sucks. happy with that because yeah. I don't need a 4K. I don't see myself getting a 4K TV in the near future mm-hmm. um, because I'm joining in media. <laughs> right. <laughs> because, you know, um, so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to buy the I'm going to buy it because <laughs> I do want this uh, this film in 3D. I'm just not happy having to pay an extra like fifty or 10 bucks. Right. To get a, 40 co- a 4K copy. That's it. If I have a friend that has a 4K TV, I would mm-hmm. love to watch it in 4K to see if there's a huge difference. Right. Honestly, I've never seen a 4K film in 4K yep, on a 4K either. TV before. So Yeah. Yeah, my coworker's boyfriend just got 4K the other day, and uh, she was talking about how amazing it looked. Is it curved? Uh, he, they, he didn't go with the curved one, no. She said oh. she liked it, but he wasn't a big fan, so they ended up okay. going with a reg- like a regular Samsung 4K. Cool. Oh, it's 1800 bucks. 1800 bucks. I'm just Dude, my 3D TV, I paid 24 Canadian. What? Now that was in 2010, 2000. No, 2011. I paid 25. That's insane. It's it top of the line at the time. You know, TVs yeah. are going down in price. Now that's mm-hmm. the price for a 4K. But uh, yeah, I paid right. 2500, uh, 24 something. So. Hmm. That's yeah. too rich for my blood. I wait until they're much cheaper. I was single at the time. I needed bath to reel in the girls. <laughs> you know, I'm on Lava Life. Hey, ASL, you like movies? You want to have pizza? Oh, 4K bait. Love it. <laughs> 4K man. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So that pretty much covers everything I've done these past few weeks here. So... Let's jump over to the question of the week. So a few days ago, I retweeted this awesome, I thought at least, YouTube clip. Uh, and it was uh, yesterday, so October 18th, if you want to find it on my Twitter timeline, of a genuine audience reaction from the uh, from 1979 of the original Halloween. The crowd was so into everything that was going on. It was, and it was just a loud theater, but not filled with assholes like you mostly get today, but people yeah. that were genuinely invested into the horror film, which was groundbreaking back in 1979. They were screaming at things, gasping at other spots and so on. It was just awesome to be able to hear an original reaction to what I consider one of the greatest films ever made, period. Not just one of the greatest horror films, but one of the greatest films. And even though, I never had that reaction to the film, even when I first watched it. It just makes me appreciate Halloween that much more. So, with that said, 
Gentlemen, are there any horror films or otherwise that you remember watching in theaters that you had an audible reaction to, such as a scream or a gasp? And and was the if you did, was the whole audience with you, or did you feel like you were the only one that was invested in being scared at that point? So I will let you because I obviously I had time to think about this. So I'll let you guys think about it. I'll give you my answer. So um, for me, I remember having loud, audible, and physical reactions. And now you're going to make fun of me, I'm sure, but it was <laughs> to the movie Signs, the M Night Shyamalan flick. When the alien appears outside the window was the first moment. Uh, when she says, you know, there's an alien inside my water. Can I have a glass of water? And then he goes in the room <laughs> and you see the alien there. So, and then the second moment, one where I, I literally screamed in the theater, was of the home video at the birthday party where we get our first glimpse of the alien in full. I got goosebumps talking about it now. I, mean, I just, that terrified the shit out of me. I saw that movie at least three times in theaters and I screamed literally Every time at that point. I mean, my friends never let me live that down. I still hear about it sometimes today. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, there's um, – after one of my viewings of Signs, we heard this other group that was like walking out in front of us. And one of the people said, you know, that movie sucked except for that little girl screaming up front. But that little girl, of course, was me. Um, and so that's, <laughs> that's why I still get mocked for watching Signs today. Um, and, and one more I'll talk about. Another one was 1408. Um, when John Gusack is, he's getting chased through like air ducts, I think it is, by a ghost. Um, I, those, I don't know. Those are just two of the most memorable moments, moments for me where I scream like a little bitch in a theater. So that's my, uh, that's my secret. Do you guys have anything? Well, uh, I, uh, you go ahead first. Okay. Um, as for a packed theater, the only, uh, it's only in, at Fantastic Fest in Austin where I was in a legit packed theater. Yeah. And there's two films that come to mind that had fantastic audience reactions and were all on the same page. Mm-hmm. First one was for Green Room. Oh, okay. We were all on the same page for that. Hooting when we're supposed to, hollering when we're supposed to, gasping at the right times. Everybody was on the same beat. Um, again, not spoiling anything, but you know when there's that uh, arm hack you know, everybody's like, holy shit, because you didn't know how gory the film was going to be. And that was your first I, portrayal of, like, yeah, this is going to go that direction. So that was really awesome. <laughs> Other film would be uh, the closer for the 2015 uh, Fantastic Fest, Bone Tomahawk. Oh, okay. Everybody was into that film. I th- <laughs> it doesn't hurt that the cast was fantastic. Um, but when the gore happened, people were like, Holy shit! This is a this is a western, but it got real real fast. Um, the, the ending like 20, 30 minutes. People were like screaming and like <laughs> really cool. Um, so those to me are two memorable moments in a theater where everybody there was nobody like heckling or you know being dicks. Everybody yeah. was into the film. Everybody reacted as as they should react. Um, it played perfectly. Hmm. Awesome. And what about you, Ash? Well, okay. I've got a couple of varied moments. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to start with Event Horizon. Event Horizon, okay. when I first saw that one, uh, we were not in a crowded theater. Uh, mm-hmm. Went with a couple friends. Uh, there was maybe like 15 of us in the theater at the time. The movie didn't do well, but you know. Right. Um, they, uh, so... 
we're in this theater watching this movie and they get into orbit and Neptune and it start, you know, you start hearing the storms and stuff like that, you know, the throughout the ship and a thunderstorm rolls in outside and rolled through town past the theater for the rest of the fucking movie, which really set the tone and scared the shit out of me when we were watching that (laughs) the first time. Yeah. (laughs) It it still bugs me. Like I, like I remember getting home from the theater, uh, and, uh, my friends and I were also creeped out that we ended up basically just pulling an all nighter because, (laughs) um, but, uh, yeah, so there was that one. Um, the one, one of the first, like, cause I didn't see a lot of horror movies in theater, um, mm-hmm. But one of the first ones I remember getting audience reactions to uh, was the first Blair Witch, um, because that one was a packed theater. Um, yeah. But part of the problem was it stank. Uh, the theater stank oh, of vomit <laughs> because oh, people gross. were getting sick from all the, the shaky cam. Right. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, and that was the first movie that they weren't going to let my wife in, who's five years older than me, and and like <laughs> they were like, "Oh, she doesn't have ID," and I'm like, "I'm married to her. I can basically <laughs> have them unplug the life support at the hospital without presenting ID, and you're not going to let her in the city." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, twenty nine. Yeah. So it's just like, uh, really? Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, I remember the reactions to that one. Um, that one was pretty good. The the other, the more recent one though was um, one of the ones my wife and I went to see. Uh, it was either it was either The Conjuring or um, uh, Insidious. Okay. I'm thinking it was I'm thinking it was Conjuring, the first Conjuring. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but. Yeah, I jumped quite a bit through that, but the whole audience was doing it too. I mean, it wasn't packed, but yeah, it, there was a lot of people in, in there getting you know a lot of you know, stuff back and forth, and so that was pretty cool. <laughs> Very cool, excellent. Oh, yeah, so I've got one more. I've got one more. Yeah, um, my sister doesn't listen to the podcast anyway. This is fine to tell the story. Um, <laughs> uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, um, I had brought Aliens on VHS to my dad's house because my sister and I decided we wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. And my my dad and stepmom were out somewhere. So we're down in the basement with the you know just the TV on, sound cranked and everything. <laughs> and we're watching Aliens. And my stepsister comes home just after... Ripley wakes up on the station. Uh, so she watched most of the movie. We didn't have to yeah. bring her up to, to speed too much. But I remember I had seen it multiple times at that point. So I wasn't freaked out by any of it. She had never seen aliens before and she was losing her mind. And it was a beautiful thing to watch because it was just like, you know, it's like, so this is how normal people react to horror movies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but she was just losing her shit over it. It was oh, beautiful. Man. Loved it. But, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah, that's excellent stories. Cool. So remember, these questions are not just for us. We would love to hear some listener responses to any or all of our questions of the week so we can share them on an upcoming episode, including this week's question. We'd love to hear any time that you had a audible reaction to a film in a theater or your theater was completely engaged with the film let us know about it we'd love to hear about it so we did have a tweeted in response for one of our listeners for a question we asked a couple weeks back um this was actually in um a response from Ash's wife. So this question was, what is your favorite animated film or television series? And, um, 
Ash's wife chimed in. She said that her favorite was Shiki. I think it's called S H I K I. Yep. She said it had a quote slow burn to start, but a great story. It starts with the death of a village girl and spirals out from there. So I've never heard of this, but it definitely sounds right up my alley. Um, Ash, is it safe to assume that you've seen this one as well? I've seen most of it. I didn't. Uh, I didn't get to finish it yet. Um, okay. Yeah, what I've seen of it is pretty good. Awesome. That's definitely an excellent suggestion. So I'll definitely check that out. So thank you. Mrs. Ash, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to start our space horror arc. And the first film we'll be talking about in this arc, because we're going in release order, is the 1997 film Event Horizon. So if you've not seen Event Horizon, you're going to want to pause the podcast now, go watch it, and then come back and hit play, because there will be major spoilers for the entire film. And this is your only warning that there will be major spoilers for Event Horizon. So Event Horizon was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and written by Philip Eisner. It has an IMDb score of 6.7 out of 122,373 votes, a Metacritic score of 35, a tomato meter of 24%, and an audience score of 61%. And as Ash was mentioning earlier, it had a $60 million budget, but it failed miserably at the box office with merely $26.6 million gross. Which is a shame. Yeah. So talk about your history with this. Obviously, Ash, you kind of already mentioned it. You saw this one in theaters, right? Yeah. Have you seen it uh, many times since then? Yeah, I've actually got the the dual. There was a dual disc release for it on on DVD. I have that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I love the movie. Um, it, that movie almost. Uh, that movie almost uh, didn't get. Uh, it almost got my marriage canceled because uh, I finally had her to sit down to watch it. And <laughs> she wasn't scared at all by it. And she, oh, man. the first time she watched it, and she's just like, you were scared by this? And I was like, yeah. shut up. I've seen it quite a few times. Um, awesome. But, uh, I, I, and I love like, the first two-thirds of it. This, mm-hmm. The last third needed some work, but it, it'll okay. be. Okay. All right. Awesome. We'll talk about that as we go here. And what about you, uh, Mark? What is your history with Event Horizon? Um, I don't remember seeing it in theaters, but I did own the DVD and then I bought the Blu-ray. So, yeah, um, I've I've seen it in the home media, but I never saw it on the big screen. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, I recently bought the Blu-ray. I've never seen it in the. I never saw it in theaters. Um, I recently bought it on Blu-ray because it came out from, I don't believe it was a Scream Factory release, but I do think it was a Shout Factory release, if I remember right. Um, and so I ended up buying it on Blu-ray. I actually sat down to watch it one day when I first got it, um, but ended up watching maybe 20 minutes of it, ended up falling asleep. So I just stopped it and never went back to it. So this is actually the first time I'm watching all the way through it. Um, so, Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that uh, Shelter Scream had a version of Event Horizon. I just have, a, I guess, the regular Paramount Blu-ray, the ones I guess you can buy for like ten bucks in the oh. in the Walmart bin. So I've got like I guess an early wrong. version of uh, the Blu-ray then. Okay, I'm I'm actually checking right now because I I could be wrong. Yeah, mine has no slipcover. It's just and got, I like, am. Floating heads of like uh, of Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne, and like the no. cover itself would not sell me on this movie. It's just because I know the film, that's why I bought it, or I guess double dipped on it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I actually did buy this one from Walmart. Now that I, I see the cover, I actually it was in my it was in a binder, so I didn't see the cover. But you're right. Um, there was a, another space film that came out from Shout Factory recently. Okay. 
and I'm, I was I was I'm mixing the two up, but for the love of me, I can't remember what the hell the other one was. But it doesn't matter. Yep, you're absolutely right. This one is. It was just like one of those cheapos in the Walmart bin. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I think someone must have been talking about it, which is why I picked it up. Because you're right, the cover doesn't look that interesting. So I don't know why I even bought it, frankly. But well, and the the weird thing is the poster was for the movie was terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's a terrible poster for a, a horror film. The ads for it, like the 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 TV trailers and the actual theatrical trailer, though, were perfect. They were spot on. So I don't know who the hell at Paramount, like, oh, well, this will be a great poster for our space horror flick. You know, it's funny they mentioned that in the commentary um, that they really wanted the shot on the poster. You know, when um, uh, what's his name, uh, Baby Bear. Uh, why can I not find his name on the uh, Pete? No, not Peters. Shit, who's the kid that gets uh, himself all like zero G? The uh, just he, no Justin Cooper. G, Justin. Not G. Cooper. Well, Cooper is the one that is the uh, the one that calls him Baby Bear. Justin's the younger kid. Is yeah, it, is his last name Justin? Okay. Uh, why can I not find him here? Anyways, yeah, they call him Mr. Justin. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so uh, they had a shot of him walking through the spiral spiked, I guess, hallway towards the gravity drive in his suit, I guess, when they first come in. And that's what they want as a poster of a picture of of the, uh, the like the, that spinning hallway and him just like, you know, walking inside of it with the gravity drive in the background. That would have been a much cooler poster than that uh, than the ship that says Infinite Space, Infinite Terror. That's a boring fucking poster. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Like, it's really a missed opportunity to really get people like interested because yeah. The other the other shot that they could have used that would have been a fantastic poster is the one where the guy is just floating in the bridge, frozen. Like you yeah. don't even have to get detailed shot of him, just the body floating in the bridge. Mm-hmm. That would have been that would have sold me. And like, <laughs> anything would have been better than what we got. Just to, to to clear it up, Supernova was the other film I was oh. mixing this release up with. How but, could you? <laughs> my wife even my wife like she's like I bought this for for James Spader and I can't watch this again. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. It's that's really what I've heard. Bad. Yeah, Supernova. Uh, oh, you've never seen it. No, I'm pissed I bought oh, it because everyone says it's terrible. You must watch it then. You must watch it. And then we can revel in its awfulness. Yes. <laughs> it's one of those like really good – I don't know if it's good, bad. I think it's just one of those bad, bad, but not one of those movies where like, oh, I can't believe I bought this, but I probably won't buy it again. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. it's not super horrible, but it's just like, oh, this is a bad movie. <laughs> we ended up buying the um the rented version, you know how they sell like the extra copies. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. We we ended up buying one of those for like three bucks, and even then I felt <laughs> ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I came from Shout Factory, so I had to buy it because I'm an idiot. But uh, I, I understand your plight. Yep, exactly. Don't worry about it. We're all <laughs> friends here. <laughs> Oh, man. So once again, we are the opening text reveals that we are way behind as a species because by last year, 2015, we were supposed to be living on the moon, I believe is what the text said. Yeah. And we are definitely not. So they this were one. Very hopeful in the 90s. Oh, by, yeah. the way, by the way, if you're watching this on Netflix, because I did watch it on Netflix instead of whipping out my DVDs. Oh. Um, 
all of the subtitles he's talking about that give you like like the opening ones are there yeah. but like any of the ones for like the spaceship oh you know we're the, this is the Lewis and Clark USA oh yeah so on and so forth out from Neptune or whatever yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. those won't show up you'll hear the sounds of the subtitles popping up but you won't actually see the subtitles because really? they put the subtitles in the black bars and Netflix crops out everything oh. except the video on the main thing so, oh that's interesting ha! Yeah, that so is. That's really those, weird. But yeah, and, and it's just those. Like you get the opening ones because they're mm-hmm. you know, they're where they're supposed to be on the screen. But you know, right. on DVD and Blu-ray releases, they put them in the black bars. That's so, interesting. Uh, yeah, just thought I'd share. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so I, I ended up the watching watching the film as normal, like I always do, and then um, watched it again with the commentary track. And okay. uh, I thought, just kind of as a side note, I thought the commentary track was actually pretty fun. Like, it's clear that the, it was Paul Anderson and one of his producers, I forget which. Yeah, Jeremy who, Bolt. Yeah. Uh, they just have very good chemistry together. Obviously, friends. They just had a good time together. So I had enjoyed listening to that one. It was good at first, but then he seemed to be, like, watching the movie by the end. And it was, like, long <laughs> gaps of silence. I'm like, oh, did yeah, I pause it? And then they went back to, like, the regular track of the right. film. You know, yeah. so yeah, they, they tend to go a little silent, like three quarters mm-hmm. of the way in. Yeah. Um, so some of these things I actually didn't catch to my second, and this is one of them is what I want to talk about. Now there was this, this spinning shot of mm-hmm. the, the daylight station that they yeah. talk about that cost a ton of money to do and to get right. And the guy who did it like took a year off after it was done and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Man, that is a beautiful shot. I thought that was just so well executed. The the oh, model work. It. In this movie yeah. is absolutely fantastic. I yeah, love it really is. That. See, I watched this film again for the first time in a long time. I thought mm-hmm. the CGI looked terribly dated. The the the, the applic- like the uh, applications, the makeup applications looked really fantastic, but the CGI sucked donkey balls. Um, I thought like the the eyes, the eye sockets that they had to CGI over the white eyes, which I think is a bad idea, looked horrendous. The floating, really? uh, oh, I thought it looked bad on my TV. It looks so fake. And the oh. floating items in the Event Horizon when they first get there before the gravity sets in looked fake. I yeah, I, the CGI no. did not age well at all. Which is why they tried to stick with mostly models and practicals. I feel like yeah. which and you know what? It's funny how practicals don't age you'll see seams right you know in some films but mm-hmm. they look so much better years decades later yeah but i, I gotta disagree with you I'm on most of it i agree that when we went into the event horizon uh like the stuff's floating around looked fake it almost yeah. looked like it was from a 3d movie the way it was uh, shadowed and highlighted it was strange but i thought the cgi eyes i thought were really well done i thought those held up really well see i thought um, they were really creepy they, yeah they me too yeah well, I wanted to compare what it looked like in real life. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, well, now I bought a new eye patch uh, just because uh, <laughs> I just have one eye now. Um, no, I just uh, it just didn't look right. Now, if they had like the blank eye, like the Julia LaForge eyes, where you know you take off your visor and it's a, like a white eye, that would have been yeah. so much creepier than that CGI back of the skull look that they use they talk about that and that's what the original plan was yeah. but they decided not to do that because they've seen it in so many other films they want to do something unique it works and i thought it paid off oh well you know uh i paid 2500 dollars for my tv so i guess it's better <laughs> i'm kidding i watched this on my 120 inch projector uh, so you said it was shit uh, one up me didn't you 
But, I watched no. it on my, my 19 inch laptop. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how big was your 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 oh, TV? Inch, what? Oh, my TV. <laughs> it's, it's 55. 55. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, see that? My, yeah, my I got my living room. Like 47 or 48, I think maybe. Yeah. But yeah. Hmm. I, I've watched it on the big TV too. I, I I don't think the CGI in this, because they used it so sparingly, I, yeah. can, I can forgive it. it mm-hmm. It's not nearly as bad as the CG in Alien Resurrection. Oh, sure. Uh, which yeah. is absolutely terrible. I'd have to see it again. I haven't seen it in a while. Oh, uh, yeah. It, this The CG effects in that are just, they're, they don't mesh well. The lighting's off. Mm-hmm. The aliens mm-hmm. look like plastic. It's, eh. And not all CGI shots look bad. I thought some shots of the ships look good. I just thought yeah. the, the floating stuff did not look good at all. You know, like you see the, the the pliers flying past the camera, things like that. That just bugged me to no end. I, as yeah. I didn't like it them popping out so much. Like if they exactly. were just there floating and not flying toward the camera or whatnot, I would have been okay with that. Right. Even the blobs of liquid. You know, I'm like, yeah, I, oh, when like when Jay, uh, when the Mr. Justin, he's I think wiping a terminal. See, I like mm-hmm. the terminal wipe. I didn't like the one where he walks into it and it smears past his faceplate. Yeah, that one looked terrible. But the 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 wiping away the console, I thought looked it worked pretty good. But see, but none of it ever took me out of what I was watching, and I think that's important. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And obviously, it didn't have it. Feel it feels like at least that it did take you out of it a little bit, Mark. Uh, some of that stuff, but, but. Just, again, it's dated. You know, um, like yeah. it, did it like take me out of the universe of of the story? No, but I'm like, ah, yeah, this movie is from the late '90s. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah speaking of that, I think that's interesting. Go there, ahead. There, there are two effect shots that absolutely bug the shit out of me in this movie. Okay, uh, um, mainly because I'm a space nerd. Anyway, um. <laughs> But uh, the first one is the fact that there is a water bottle floating around and it's not frozen uh, <laughs> on a ship that is in cold freeze. Right. Well, that's really? True. Uh, okay. Um, and the other one is when Cooper is blown out into space and he, and he uses his suit to fly back to yeah. the planet. Yeah, that won't work because he's way too fucking far out and he would have died. So, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, too, but. Uh, suspension of disbelief. It, 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 it didn't bother me, I guess. But um, speaking of being taken out of it, I think it was interesting when we were listening to the commentary track, um, they, they were talking about this one moment in particular that the producer was just like, yeah, it just took me – it just takes me completely out of the tension of the moment and everything. And um, because it was when – right when we kind of go into the spaceship for the first time, the the camera's panning around the model and then uh, goes forward into the ship, mm-hmm. like basically through the window. Um, and I think – I just thought it was interesting because they were talking about how much it took them out and it was such a terrible shot and blah, blah, blah. And for me, it, it didn't take me out of it at all. It just would look like a routine establishing shot and work just fine. Um, so it's it's just interesting to see, to hear them to be such strong critics about their own work. Yeah. And how it actually affected me I'm, was very little. I'm the same way. It didn't, honestly, I completely disregarded the shot. Like I'm just watching it yeah. to get into the exactly. ship. It didn't bother me in any way, shape or form. Right. But um, I love the, I love the set design. Um, it's clear, and I, I was thinking this before I watched the commentary, but they actually do mention in the commentary track about how how obviously it is that they are influenced by the Nostromo and um, you know from Alien. Oh, uh, not, not just the Nostromo. Um, 
they actually used the blueprints for the Notre Dame Cathedral to build uh, a lot of like the pillars and stuff mm-hmm. inside the ship. That's really cool. Yeah, like that's and the ship itself, it, it worked. Like, the horizon itself, is actually in the shape of a cathedral. Is it? Yes. From, if you look that. at it from above, it is the shape of a cross. Huh. Oh, I didn't realize that. To me, it just looks like a Klingon a bird of prey with a longer, <laughs> elongated nose. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, yeah, it it's a Pinocchio edition bird of prey. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's actually built like a cathedral. They did it on purpose that way. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, uh, the inside of the ship, it looks extremely gothic. Mm-hmm. Like that medical bay would not, well okay spaceships don't exist in that no in in, in that uh, at this level as of yet you know it's still right, just like the, right. the NASA ships but like just the way like like it's it's all uh, it's all metal and it's all like it's like almost coney you know uh, you got coffin shaped corridors and it just it looks very regal for for a ship. You know, really gothic, really, really artsy for a deep space exploration ship, yeah. you know. Um, but again, I, I don't think I really noticed the architecture of the ship until I listened to the commentary. It, okay. it really, like, it, it didn't really dawn on me. Oh, wow, that is a coffin looking corridor. Never, it, it, I just never clued in on it. And as we get along with this conversation... Um, there's a few things that I was not clued into until the actual commentary. Yeah, and I think that's not a, a bad thing necessarily. That's not a problem, I wouldn't say. I think, you know, a lot of that stuff that designers do is really subliminal and kind of just something that you can't maybe necessarily point out until it's pointed out to you. But And then, then you can't see it after that. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is that way, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. There no, is, I, speaking I, of, of that... Mm-hmm. There's a shot coming up, um, kind of. I think like the one, really one of the first like genuinely creepy moments, and that's when we see Claire. Um, oh, the doc Claire. is whatever he's doing, daydreaming, I guess, or dreaming, yeah. hallucinating. Um, and he walks in and, and he looks and sees his wife, who we find out later is obviously dead. Um, but there is a shot that I noticed on the second viewing, and it's I made note of the timestamp and everything because I really wanted to show it to you guys, see if you caught it, see what you thought about it. But it looks really creepy. Like there's a second pair of eyes there, and I think it's just a fucking unbelievable shot. I love it. Um, and so I will direct your attention to the link that I just put up on uh, Zencaster if you guys want to click that. Okay. And uh, it's at the five second mark. And I will, if you're listening to the show, you can click on our, uh, go to cinefessions.com and I will post a link to this shot that I'm talking about. And again, we'll be at the five second mark. I see it now. Yeah. And uh, so if you don't know what we're talking about, definitely check out cinefessions.com and and link to it there. I have it on the website. But man, what a great fucking shot. And I missed it the first time. And they don't mention it at all in the commentary track. But so, damn if I didn't see that the second time around and just couldn't get over how fucking great it was. I, I like this shot oh, so much. Yeah. I literally ripped the Blu-ray to my hard drive last night it's not a, and and cl- got out these 10 seconds so I could show it to you guys. It's, so, it's not a second eyes? set of eyes. Yeah. Um, it, it's the way they framed the shot. It's the fans up above on the Lewis and Clark ceiling uh, reflecting in the screen. 
Yep, that's like eyes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, th- I obviously it has to be on purpose. I mean, that's man, it's fun. creepy. But I absolutely love it. It's like the the soul of the ship just staring at us. The yeah. uh, fun fun fact about the Lewis and Clark that I remember. Um, the the whole Lewis and Clark, the entire ship was built as one continuous set. You could actually go from the airlock all the way through all of the sets like it was an actual ship. Oh and, wow. And they did it that way on purpose and they let the actors like kind of like play around in it so it felt like home. Yeah. Uh, so so that's why they look so comfortable all mm. throughout the ship and they all look like they have their own places to lounge and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it looks really lived cool. in. But yeah, but yeah, they did the the Lewis and Clark was all built as one continuous set. So I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, definitely. As cool as Lewis and Clark looked, one thing bugged the hell out of me. What was that? The captain's chair. <laughs> there was no need for a chair that pivots and turns like that. <laughs> I it's love a that. small crew. It yeah. looks rickety as fuck because they built the set on hydraulics. And I guess oh, the first time okay. they tested, uh, they camera tested the set. I mm-hmm. guess uh, uh, Fishburn, he he was like being rocked back and forth on it like crazy. <laughs> yeah, it I remember them saying that. It's unsturdy. It's unnecessary. Um, <laughs> I would probably break it because, you know. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. I don't like that captain's chair. I that was funny. Not. The one Ugh. thing. The one thing I think that they missed the boat on, though, I, and it, granted, it wouldn't have done much to build tension, but it would have been it, it would have been nice to get to know the Lewis and Clark crew a little bit better. Was they actually had in a script um, their rescue mission previous to going out after the event horizon, the the reason that they all had you know shore leave, um, and they'd actually had that, that all scripted, but they never actually got around to filming it because the budget uh, didn't allow for it. That would have been yeah. nice to see. Definitely. And speaking of that, like there's everything I was reading about this, the the original cut of the film was 130 minutes and test audiences, it's said that test audiences were fainting from the violence and the studio said, no, you can't do this. Cut this down, you know, cut 30 minutes off and then we can release it. And so he did. But man, I'll be damned if I don't want to see that 130 minute cut. The director's cut, if you will. You probably It talks about how much more uh, violent it is, um, how much more blood there is. And it actually received an NC-17 rating by the MPAA initially. Um, but the there's like that scene later on where it's like the bloody orgy is what it's referred to as. Um, they hired like porn actresses to do those scenes because the scenes were so extreme in sex and violence. Um, and it's just, I would love to see that. Unfortunately... There was rumor that there was like a VHS cut, a VHS tape that had the whole thing on it, but apparently that's bullshit. Oh, it is bullshit. Yeah, that's what – again, you can only believe so much of what you read on the internet, but that's what I was reading, uh, that this doesn't actually exist or what does exist. They don't have enough to put it together into an actual like release of the film. And so though they were wanting to release a director's cut of it, they realized that the footage just didn't exist for that to happen. And so it'll never happen if, unless something pops up somewhere in the future. Yeah, what I what I read was that, I guess, they had footage, but it got destroyed or it got misplaced. Yes. But there was a VHS yep. copy. Um, and apparently Anderson, the director, was supposed to release it after Resident Evil Retribution. And mm-hmm. it just never happened. Which I was hoping yeah. Retribution was the next one coming out in January. 
<laughs> but it's not. Um, so <laughs> I was really like, oh, sweet, maybe we'll get a, another version of it. Um, but yeah, so it, it kind of bums me out because I'm like, all this extra gore, and like, you only see bits and pieces yeah. of this blood orgy, which, mm-hmm. can I say, up until the commentary, I did not know it was a blood orgy. I had no idea those people were having sex really? and, and ripping each other to shreds. I thought they went to hell and it was like a Cenobite Hellraiser type of hell and these things were ripping at them. I didn't know they were they were muling themselves in a fucking orgy. I had no clue. So when I heard this yesterday listening to the uh, to the commentary, I was actually kind of mm-hmm. shocked. I'm like, these guys have gone crazy and they are fucking themselves to death and ripping and biting and tearing. Um, I honestly well, thought it was because you look at the footage of of the um, Lewis and Clark crew and their hell and that was more barbed wire and stuff like that. So to me, I thought it was like a hellraisery kind of hell and not a, a, a death sex hell. So, yeah, I was kind of shocked well, when I saw that. Well, and that that was the one thing I got out of it because if you uh, when we're watching it, you notice when she's like, you know, you know, it's okay, but, you know, later on when his wife's like, you know, it's okay, you're with me now, and I have such, you know, and I have such wonderful things to show you, and she goes to gouge his eyes out. The camera pulls back, and he's doing it to himself. Yes, yeah. I, I'm thinking we're seeing the crew from the other ship, you know, from the Event Horizon, do this to themselves. So, you know, more than likely what we were seeing with the barbed wire stuff might be, you know, what they're actually imagining, not what's happening type of thing. Yeah, I, I just didn't know they were having an orgy. That's what's really shocked yeah. me the most. You know, I'm assuming somebody, you know, went psycho and were selling hacking and slashing, but just them having sex and doing that. Uh, yeah, it actually I was I was taken aback. <laughs> I just I was not expecting that. One of the moments that really pulled me into the film was the recording that they play of the event horizon kind of just still toward the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it felt like, uh, like ghost hunters in space to me, which I was down with big time. And that kind of just sucked me in a lot. I thought that was really cool. It's just such a unique idea. You get a lot of that standard haunted house yeah. stuff in this film that we've come to see and a lot of things I expected, but it's the fact that it's done in space in this in this you know ship is just amazing to me and i think that's what makes it work so well i guess there are comparisons to the shining to this movie yeah oh um, yeah absolutely which you know i i totally get and i'm a big fan of haunted house films and then you put them in space it's even that much more scary you know like this movie mm-hmm. is a scary film even if it's cut by 45 minutes um it's it's chilling. There. I, I again, I still don't think it aged that well because watching it now, I remember it being a little better back then. Um, hmm. But it is like it is hauntingly scary, you know. And and this film, one of my favorite video games is uh, Dead Space. And yeah, so Dead okay. Space took that's, uh, Dead Space definitely has this kind of feel. To oh, it. totally. It I think it borrowed a lot of the aesthetic. Of this film, mm. um, I think it was makes me want it to play heavily. In, oh, if you've never played it, dude, especially Halloween. Oh, it's good. <laughs> um, the first, yeah, the first game especially. Yes. Oh god, because you don't even get a fucking weapon until 
Like, yeah. Oh, the, the, until like after the first fucking encounter. Oh, yeah. Jesus the Christ. The first game is, That's I think, like, by far my favorite video game of all time. Like, I love okay. it. I've bought some novels based off of it. They've made some uh, hmm. some animes or some animated films based on the movie, uh, based off the game. There's, you know, there's books. I bought t-shirts. I bought hoodies. Like, I love it. So, <laughs> I love this aesthetic. Um I would love to see Dead Space as live action. That would be scary as fuck. Hmm. Um, so yeah, you should totally play it. I thought they were weren't they talking about making one at one point though? Ugh. I know they did the animated mo- or animated movies, but I thought they were actually talking about doing like a Dead Space live action. Yeah, and the animated movies they don't, they don't really hit the mark that well. But having this as live action, uh, it would be like it would be like a zombie film in space in a way. But it's not zombies. It's it's reanimated tissue from corpses laying on her yeah you have to play the game um but event horizon totally wrote the bible for that game when it comes to looks of the ships like it is spooky and uh, watching the movie again made me think of that game you know it's same hmm. same feel like edge of your seat right it's scary too because you're playing a game you're in control of the action so it's i, I think the game is even scarier than and then this movie it, it is worth hmm. trying out Definitely. Definitely check it out. So we get to, um, they finally get onto the event horizon, which first off, like the bringing the Lois and Clark, the Lewis and Clark next to the event horizon just brought this awesome sense of scale. The event horizon is gigantic. Yeah. And it just made, uh, you know, the ship that we've been on this whole time feel so tiny. And I thought that was excellent use of, uh, kind of that, that mm-hmm. scale. Um, but one of the shots I love in there, um, I, f- I didn't write down her name, and I can't remember at this point. Peters, I think. Um, she walks in and says, got some blood here that she sees on the like console that she's yeah. looking at. But then she walks by and the camera pans out and we see like this light flickering to see just this load of blood on the windows, un- unbeknownst to the to the character. I thought that was such a cool shot because they don't talk about it until they actually all board mm-hmm. the ship. And then they notice it and talk about it a little bit. I thought that was awesome. You know what's kind of cool about uh, Peters? So the actress is Kathleen Quinlan. And she is married to Bruce Abbott. And if you know um, uh, Reanimator, uh, Bruce Abbott was the roommate of, um, right. of uh, uh, Herbert West. So he was, mm-hmm. yeah. So I just think it's kind of cool link to horror films. Right, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, sorry, side, sidebar. And she had her 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 corpsicle line. I like that oh. too. Can't leave. That <laughs> you know what? Again, <laughs> talking about like practical effects. When they yeah w- oh yeah right when they hit when it, when they <laughs> get the gravity going and that corpsicle hits the ground, yeah. that was cool. God. That was really cool. Absolutely, was just a great effect, and like you said, very practical effect, and just can you awesome. imagine what it would smell like? Because now you have bits and pieces in like in the grates and stuff. <laughs> right. Once the ship starts to heat up again, Ew. you know, like oh, it smells God. like like wet hamburger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> oh man, um, another creepy moment it was when Peter sees her son, just like the hand scratching at the tarp. Yes. Oh, that did me in, man. God, it was the tarp scratch spot. was even scarier than the actual revelation of the of the legs. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at the legs. I'm like, what am I actually looking at? Like, are they like open sores? You know, like I'm seeing bone. Am I? Yeah. You know, just because the color was just a little. Apparently, too, there was a lot more. Yeah. To well, it. apparently, like in the original, I guess cut, it had maggots or some stupid thing. 
Yeah, that's what I was reading too. Yeah, not necessary. I thought that the scratching and the what's actually under the tarp is much scarier than the reveal. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, And that's one thing. So there, there are definitely the few of these moments that really creep me out. But given the setting, I almost feel like they could have had more. And I don't, I'm not looking for like jump scares necessarily because they didn't have a ton of those. They had some cheap scares, but just more of these super creepy moments. I feel like it kind of just miss the boat on some of them. I feel like there just could have been more and they would have worked so well given this awesome atmosphere that they created. Yeah. That that's the one thing I do love about this movie is that they're just, it oozes atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just, yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. I think when it comes to like, you know, space horror movies, mm-hmm. you're allowed jump scares just because oh, it's yeah. a reality that we haven't come across right. to yet. You know, so like funny noises down a space corridor or, you know, grates or whatever. Like we don't live in this world. So I think jump scares are more possible Mm -hmm. and you can't relate to as much. And, you know, um, and plus, you know, you think, uh, you know, in space, you got like the the air knots and you you don't know what's rattling. Right. To just like regular air ducts or anything. So, (laughs) yeah, I I think jump scares are a lot more plausible Mm -hmm. in like a space horror film than like a Earth based. And and that's the other thing, too. On a spaceship, you don't want to hear noise. Noise is bad. (laughs) Noise means the ship is malfunctioning and you're fucked. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, speaking of that duck system, there's that awesome shot where the docks crawling through to find like that short circuit. Man, yes. I thought that was a great shot because it's so different than anything we've seen up to that point. Just that bright green. Um, it's pretty. Yeah. And then the lights start going out and they the camera does this push-pull, like the Jaws push-pull. Um, yeah. And it's just brilliant. And then the lights are going out. You know what's going to happen. The chick's going to pop up. And of course she does. Um, just another creepy moment that was just fucking brilliantly done. And then you get into a sweet, sweet nudity scene. That was later. Was that later? I thought that was was uh, doing a flashback in the grate. It wasn't? No, no, that was, yeah, that was later. Oh. That's right when he gets his eyes poked out or whatever. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Okay. Um, okay. I'll wait till we get to that part. Uh, I won't skip ahead. (laughs) But I, I've got I've got a question for you. Yeah, no, go for it. Let's skip because I oh. I don't intend to go in order. I just write my notes in order, and so that's just the way it goes. But feel free to jump ahead. Okay, so near the end when Weir starts going cuckoo, right? Yeah. Him and uh, Captain Miller, mm-hmm. you know, they're talking, and then you know that's where Weir goes a little crazy because I guess they talk about exploding the ship or something, mm-hmm. and then he goes, you know, we're gonna go home, and then Weir goes. But I, I am home, and then fades into the shadows. Yeah, it turns creepy in two fucking lines instantly. Yes. Yep. Awesome, right? Oh yeah. Now, what I feel is maybe an editing issue is then when um, Peters sees her son, chases after him, and falls yep. and breaks her legs. Right. Where comes across her? Yeah. And he's got a look of like, oh my god, what happened to you? Yeah, Are you he's, okay? He's human again, right? Yeah, and like why? Why did he revert back to his human? Like it seems like it just seemed the the, the scene seemed out of place. Like See, that should have happened before he goes. I am home scene. You know, right? No, that, that that's well, a good point. Yeah, well, but, but I, the other thing about that though is, um, it's one thing to it's one thing for him to be like, I am home. You know, this is I'm not leaving and taking off. But then there's another thing. Where you come across one of the people that you've been working on the side who's actually, you know, been fairly 
human to you. It is laying there in a mangled mess before you. You know, it, I think I think seeing Peters actually brings back his humanity just before she shows up again in the flat. Ah, uh, yeah. As that's something I didn't like. But I'm thinking, you know, the, he got creepy with that those two lines. And then it should have been, you know, and then he, like, it's funny how he goes creepy. He becomes human. But then he does the eye thing and then becomes a metahuman where right. he gets all this extra strength. Yeah. Which, you know, if that's the case, I'm going to claw out my eyes because I could love <laughs> to bench an extra 20 pounds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, but- it, yeah, it, that, that's what bugged me with that the sequence of uh, scenes. Speaking speaking of when when he disappears in the shadows, one of my favorite lines Fishburne has in this whole movie is uh, when they're walking down the corridor, and he's like, you know, I intend to leave with Lewis and Clark and launch tack missiles at Horizon yeah. until I feel <laughs> it is, uh, you know, inappropriately disintegrated. Fuck this right. ship. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the way he says it. I oh, I love that every time. Yeah. <laughs> And I feel like the ship has an audible reaction to it. Yes. Well, something, I forget if there's a lighting cue or a sound cue, but there, something happens. There's a happens. lighting cue. It starts, to, yeah. it starts to go dark down the hallway. It gets right. Um, but, but back to what you're talking about with uh, Doc. So if earlier on, and I wrote this down, it's just I feel like the ship is, is fucking with each different person in, in small, subtle ways. And you see the doc turn creepy earlier when um, Peters runs in and and uh, there's something she thinks something's chasing her or whatever, and he wants to open and then something starts pounding on the door and he wants to open the door. He's like the the shot they use the tilt shot, and uh, which you know gives the viewer the the idea that something is amiss, something is wrong, and he walks to the door. It's basically makes a beeline for the door with a face, like an expressionless face. And it's not until he's stopped by uh, the blonde, whose name I just don't remember, um, stopped by her. Yeah. And she like holds, you know, basically like puts him in a lock hold of some sort. And so I feel like it could be another moment of kind of them, him losing his humanity because obviously that's what he does as it goes along. Um and I just feel like it's kind of another step and the way they lit him with only half of his face in lighting uh, just mm-hmm. gives it that even creepier vibe. And so I don't know. I just it, it worked for me in that sense, I guess, and that it just felt like another moment where he's starting to lose it. But then he gets it back when Peters is there. But then, you know, minutes later, he's pulled in with his wife again and obviously turns into well, the metahuman when his eyes get pulled it out. It seems he gets a pull towards the ship as soon as he hits space because didn't he get that wipe aspiration um, before they hit hypersleep? No, it was it was during Or was hypersleep. it during hypersleep? Yeah, okay. It, it was as they were entering Neptune's orbit before he got pulled out of the grav couch. Okay. Okay. Just it just seems, you know, like as soon as he left the Earth's orbit, that's where it it he first got the tickle about the mm-hmm. ship. You know, once he found out the ship was, you know, he's doing a rescue mission, it's like it kind of opens him up a bit to be persuaded by the ship. Mm-hmm. And the closer he gets, the longer he's on the ship, the worse he gets. Right. You know? Yeah, definitely. I'd agree with you there. Um, um, one thing, if you guys rewatch this, mm-hmm. uh, the things that are pounding into the door of the bridge yeah, yeah. are human faces. Oh, really? You could, yeah, you can like it uh, later on when um, she's when Miller's uh, rescuing um, 
Stark, you okay. can kind of see one of them. And it was in one of the film stills. Uh, I remember when mm. it was online, you could actually see the face pressed into the metal, uh, this like screaming face pressed into the metal of the, the door. Oh, I never realized that. I thought it was maybe one of those like uh, rivet guns that were that was shooting and yeah. it was just denting the door. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Very cool. So another question. Yeah. Weir gets sucked into space. How did the ship bring him back? Or is he really there? That's the thing. I don't think he's technically there. I think he's just a manifestation just like the burning dude. You know, that they're just fucking with him. So whose who's manifestation is it? Because everybody seems to have their own. But like um, Cooper, he doesn't have one. Well, Cooper's and, never and on the ship long enough. Uh, that's true. But Stark doesn't have one either, though, does she? She doesn't that we see, but um, I think uh, in the original script, I think each one of them had their own things, and I think that's yeah. why DJ like completely flips out and grabs the knife, and he's and he's got yeah. that to, to what's his face's throat, and he's like, you know, yeah. it's just a ship, it's just a big hunk of metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, and that's true too. Not everybody has a personal demon that's you know fucking with them like that either, though. Yeah. So. Then what would Peters is or not Peters, but uh, Justin? I think Justin Justin just got sucked through to wherever they went the ship went before. And he was just unfortunate. Back. Yeah. That's how I took it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's funny how like the ship kind of you know zoned in on him. Well I think, well, I think it's because he was at the black hole. Yeah. yeah. He just happened to be the one that was there. But and speaking of that, so the he tells this story in the beginning about you know like we were joking earlier the the what's the shortest distance between two points justin says a straight line he says no it's zero and does the whole thing at the beginning of the movie which i thought was interesting but it's like man this is a lot of blah blah you know whatever um but i think it really pays off totally because it just introduces this idea that what we're dealing with is something that they call, quote, beyond our scientific reality. And it just makes all of this even scarier. It just makes it more legitimate in my eyes, which is just terrifying because we don't know. We can't possibly know everything that's out there. What if this was real? What if they could do this? You know, it just makes it that what if even stronger for me and it just justifies mm-hmm. things and it makes it creepier. And I think that's just, wow, what a payoff I, for I, that I story. You probably didn't catch this, um, but it, Einstein's, uh, it's not the law of relativity right now because we haven't proven it yet. It's the theory yeah. of relativity. And Stark actually refers to it as Einstein's law of relativity in the film. Oh, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, they tried it and, you know, <laughs> there you go. What oh, that's like really cool. That. Yeah, I didn't notice that, but that's a really good catch. What I like, too, is that, you know, you let, you, let's say you dig a hole, right? And that, you know, if you dig deep enough, you eventually pop on the other side and, you know, get to China. Yeah. But to get to China, you got to go through the Earth's core. And, you know, right. that's hell, right? So in mm-hmm. a way, that's what they're doing is they're digging a, way, a hole right. through instead of going around. Um, yeah. So I kind of like that analogy as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think the way they explained it, they dumbed it up enough so that everybody could understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't mm-hmm. too – you could have gone really scientific mumbo-jumbo with big words and they didn't. It puts everybody on the same page. Everybody gets what's going on. You know, what happens when you fold it? Who knows? Right. And that's part of this, this spooky factor of the whole film. Right. Fuck layman. Do you even speak English? I love that one. <laughs> Cooper was yeah. awesome. 
Yeah, I like Cooper. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I love Cooper in this. He's like, hey, Stark, you want something hot and black inside you? <laughs> oh, my God. I love Cooper. Cooper cracks my shit up. But, uh, yeah. If anything, the only character that I didn't like as much really has to be Lawrence Fishburne. I oh, thought I Cap- thought he was excellent. I thought his Captain Miller was overly strict. Like, like you know. Oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Jones, he's freaking out because he's explaining what happened to Justin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, to Justin. And, like, he is well in his right to start freaking out because he came out of the gravitational drive, you know. Um, and he's being shut down by a weir. And, you know, he has a little, a little freak out. And, like, Miller, like, tells him to, like, zip it up and be professional. To me, I'd probably be freaking out as well. You know what I mean? I just yeah. thought Miller was just over, over. Like, I, I know he's got a lot of guilt for, you know, for his uh, teammate that, you know, he couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, help save. But right. he was, I think, overly strict in this film. To be fair, though, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like in a lot of films like this, the 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 captain is not going to he's going to be one of the first people that are gone something's going to happen to them and so somebody else will be taking over and so they might not you know they might not be as strict just because they're not this captain so i feel like the fact that we get the captain throughout the you know entire yeah. of the film really is well, that, kind of maybe just something that we're not used to as much well that Which I could be wrong but that and the other thing too is uh, anyway like alien and aliens and prometheus yeah. and all them we're used to like scientific ships or um mm-hmm. or an alien uh you know a, a group of miners who obviously don't right. give a shit you know and it's just yeah it's true but too this is think this is like the coast guard the, they're, right they're they're you know search and rescue they fuck up mm-hmm. and everybody dies so i yeah. can totally see him being you know completely strict on this it's like you know we have to follow this i want everybody to come back alive right and and there's a moment that he has when he starts to believe that the ship is actually alive he he just the way he looks around and just like almost whispers god help us i mean fuck that was so well done just the perfect moment I think another reason why he survives for so long as he does is because he's got a lot of good cardio. Because the way he can run down that uh, <laughs> corridor, yeah, like he's got some good time. Like he's <laughs> decent. The guy can run. <laughs> oh man, the one thing that kept coming back to me is that I just I didn't expect the film to be as violent as it was, to be as gory as it was, and it was just so kind of out of nowhere whenever it happened and uh that gory orgy moment was one of them i just man like there's a point where like the guy's being sodomized with like a pipe you can't really see it all that well but i was able to pick it up oh, the you, first time i watched it you know like didn't you? <laughs> every single frame you bet your ass <laughs> one box of kleenex <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh man! Yeah, I I don't necessarily mind the gore, but yeah, you're right. It does kind of come out of nowhere a little bit, <laughs> yeah. and it's like uh, we were actually talking um, with uh, one of the guys that um, uh, works at uh, Turbine and Dungeons and Dragons Online. He's with their community manager, um, and he was we were talking about this because I was like, yeah, I got to watch Event Horizon for the podcast, and he's like, oh, you know, uh, and I did promote us by the way, so we might have. <laughs> That's I like to hear. Uh, but uh, he was talking about it, and I, I got to think about it. I'm like, yeah, and I can actually pick the point exactly where he 
where he where I where I realized it. It's like the first two thirds of the movie have this great buildup, and then it's like the last third it just kind of goes off the rails a little bit, both with visuals and it's like, it's very choppily edited stuff. Doesn't quite fit like it should like, uh, and it's like uh, that moment is right after the Lewis and Clark blows. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and then we're and gouges out his own eyes. It's like right, right around that moment is when the movie just kind of goes, fuck it throw them everything at him you know and it's just like okay <laughs> uh but uh i don't know but uh yeah i, I it, when they do the the gory parts they don't hold back you know it, i mean well obviously they held back some because they had ended up trying to get an r rating instead of an nc-17 right. but you know still yeah i enjoyed the gore just because you know it's the, the world is very sterile that they live in and then the, the gore felt very uh really intimate you know, like it's up close. It's not people shooting each other with guns, but it's like it's an up close vivisection of each other. Um, so that's what I kind of liked about it. It kind of balanced the, the coldness of, of space with the heat of humanity, if that makes any sense. Maybe not. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just dug it because to me, it's like a, a Hellraiser in space. That's not Hellraiser in space. Yes. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I love that moment when Smitty finds the bomb, opens it up, and sees like five, four, three. Just his look. Man, there's just so moments that really stand out to me. Um, and almost all of them are character-driven, which I think is, you know, just a, a great um, – or shows how good the acting is in the film. I think they do, they just did a great job with it. And, and really, is, is there really a bad – like, this cast is strong for horror films. Oh, you know, like you've got oh, for a awesome. Film. Like Jason Isaacs, pre Harry Potter was great as a Dr. Yeah. Julie Richardson, who was in uh, a nip tuck. Fantastic. Sam Neill. Awesome. In everything he does. Fishburne, right. uh, Sean Pertree, which I believe he was also in dog soldiers, which I liked a lot. Um, yep. Like it's, it's a stacked horror card. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just it, it's nice to have a a, a, a fantastic cast in a, a pretty fucking awesome horror movie, even though it's slightly dated. But you know, uh, yeah, it, this was just like a pleasure to watch. Yeah, no, I. It was, it's not a bad performance. Yes. Exactly. Um. So, end of the film. Doctor mm-hmm. Weir comes back, pretty fucking cool. You know, bald. He's got his eyes again. Makeup effects. Yeah. yeah and all the carvings in his skin. Yep. So good. It kind of reminded me a bit of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. You've got, oh, you've got okay. that guy. I, have to, I haven't seen that in a, such a long time. But there's, yeah, there's a, a guy at the end. He rips off his shirt and he's full of, like, brandings and stuff on his chest. Mm. And for some reason, his look... Remind me of that scene, even though there, was, there were no cuts, they're brands, but just like uh, the mutilation of the, of the flesh looked really, really cool and scary. If you could imagine Weir's character, but if he had like sharpened like shark's teeth where, you know, like, <laughs> oh, that would have been so scary, even scarier. But I think it looked really cool at the end. No, absolutely did. Even though it didn't really make sense, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, it it looks great, but it's just like, how does that work? You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
the way I see it is that he got sucked into space and I guess he had, you know, the ship had to patchwork him back together again. Well, right. The, Maybe he ran out of juice at the end so he couldn't he left some scars. <laughs> well, the original, because I, I, I found this, the, someone had the original, they didn't post the original script, but the, it was like a breakdown of, you know, what we may have gotten from Event Horizon with a different cut type of thing. Mm. Um, the way they were originally going to bring Weir back was when, remember that um, the chamber, the, uh, the one chamber starts filling with blood and bursts all over Stark? Yeah, the most obvious shining reference in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Weir was supposed to come out of that. Reborn. Oh. That would have been cool. Yeah, it would have. That would have been so cool. Yeah. Wow. At least according to the the original script that this guy posted about. Now, granted, it's on the internet. It might be Yeah, exactly. But there was enough of the other stuff there that, you know, I know about because they talked about it in the commentary. So I'm just like, yeah. okay, yeah, maybe that's plausible. <laughs> yeah, I think that would have been a bad ass, like, reveal. Right. You know, he drains out and there he is, face down, looks up, <laughs> opens eyes, you know. Oh, so cool. So what do you make of the very, very end of the film? So we get the rescue team yelling for a sedative and Cooper saying, we're safe, we're safe. But <laughs> then the door just safe. closes. Uh, the way I saw it is that um, Stark's character, she's gone mad. Like she, like this traumatized her so much. She's she's mad now. Oh, okay. Um, space crazy. She went space crazy, or she <laughs> is space crazy now. She hasn't done anything, but now everywhere she looks, she'll see weird when she closes her eyes, when she wakes up in the morning. You know. Yeah. So she's haunted by the actions that took place. In the last, you know, whatever long it took them to show up and explode the ship. Hmm. So she's traumatized for life. So you think they survive? Uh, her and uh, her Cooper okay. and Peters, or pardon me, uh, and Justin. 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 Yes, I think they okay. survive. But she, he seems okay, but she's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Just with everything that they've been through, yeah, I think. Because Cooper really didn't get a good look at We're on the Bridge. Right, yeah, because he shows up on the outside and then Weir just shoots at him and he's like, "Oh shit!" You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's uh, outdoors most of the time. But Cooper, but uh, Stark was there for that whole conversation with Weir, hmm. you know, before they open the gate or before yeah. he opens the gate. So it's just like, yeah, I, I could see her bleeding, and especially since he, you know, picked her up and just tossed her like a rag doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some say that part of the ship is within her now, and then the ships make her crazy. I just think she's traumatized. See, I think, I mean, I can't get past the fact. So the the rescue team is yelling, you know, I need a sedative, I need a sedative, and he's saying we're safe. But the door is just closing, and there's two guys that are just standing there. So clearly the, the rescued guy is yelling for somebody outside the ship, but instead of somebody coming, the door just closes. And to me... That's the ship winning. The ship is going to do what it needs to do, whatever. These people are destroyed. I don't I don't know. I think that that's kind of the end. I don't think there is a future for any of them. See, to, to me, the door closing is like a shopping uh, center automatic doors. It's like there's nobody by the door anymore, so it's just going to close like a sensor or something. Um, oh. <laughs> so I just saw it as like, okay, there's nobody by the door. There's nobody standing at the door. I'm going to close now. Well, um, and, and that and the the grav couch, if I remember it, the grav couch there had a direct entry to 
um, the corridor. So that technically that door right there is the airlock to the ship now. So, you know, there's no separation there. So I think that door would automatically shut anyway, if, you know, if they're keeping it open because it thinks, uh, you know, I'm open to space. Yeah, because the Event Horizon was uh, built to be eco-efficient. Um, and, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like... It, like you know the 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 doors i you know most engineers would program it so oh i'm open to space i should probably close you know yeah yeah i uh, yeah uh you know i i do see that point where the ship you know has ensnared three more of the rescue guys um mm-hmm. I, I just don't think in my the way i comprehended the scene i don't think right. it that way but i can see how it could be uh seen as that yeah all right very good so Ash, final thoughts and your star rating for Event Horizon. Well, I still love this movie. Um, I, 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 I'm able to pick it apart a little bit more now. You know, it's been almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I still like. It. I like the first. I really love the first two thirds of the movie. I think. I think they chopped it up a little bit too much in the last third. Um, so some of the scenes don't flow as good as they should. Um, I, overall, I love the atmosphere of the film. The the effects work, other than some dodgy CGI, is spot on. Um, I, I love the designs of the ships. I love that they both like have a very unique... Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this was the movie that convinced me. Yes, you can make a gothic starship look, you know, pretty decent. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I love how creepy it is. I love the haunted house in space. So, I, I, it's it's lost a little luster for me. It's not a perfect score anymore. I'm gonna go with a. F- Excellent. What about you, Mark? Uh, a bit of the same way. Um, I thought it was scarier back then than it was now. Um, but I do, I, I watched it twice in the last, I guess, three days. Um, so I, mm-hmm. I do have a great appreciation for it after, um, uh, listening to the commentary because there's some things I clearly, uh, did not catch, uh, in previous viewings. Um, but it is dated, um, out of four, I'm going to give it like a two and a half, two and a half out of four. All right. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So I... I found Event Horizon to be just a surprisingly hard R-rated horror film, which surprised me. Um, There were some pretty shocking moments of brutality, and uh, the incredible special effects and makeup work really drove home the gore for me. The cast is excellent, uh, with each character feeling unique from one another, which is always important in an ensemble film like this that keeps us in pretty much one location the majority of the film. Um, The story works in a way that makes this feel almost believable. It puts the viewer in a place that's beyond science. And if you go with it, it, I feel like it just makes it that much creepier, which I absolutely love about it. Um, There were some basic haunted house type type scares, but as I mentioned, I just wish there were more of them. They have a great setting for scares, and I feel like they could have done even more on that front. Um, What's here is genuinely creepy, though. I mean... This is a film I can see myself watching a few more times over the years. It's well-written, it's well-acted, and it does the space horror genre proud. Um, I didn't find it dated, um, but that 
could also be because this is the first time I'm watching it. Um, but I didn't find it uh, distractingly dated or anything like that. So um, I'm giving Event Horizon three out of four stars. All right. So very good. So next week we will be talking about which film? Pitch Black from 2000. So we'll continue our space horror arc with Pitch Black. But before we sign off for the evening, let's jump over to the Besting the Backlog Challenge, round four of the Besting the Backlog Challenge, where we try to conquer our own personal backlogs one week at a time. Now, as a reminder for this feature, um, each one of us generally is going to take a look at the other's unwatched pile, be it their Netflix queues, their home video collections, whatever, and pick a film that the other hasn't seen yet and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast, where they will then give a quick review of the film. Last week, though, we picked one for ourselves. So, uh, I watched Blood Rage. Mark, I believe you watched Transfers 2, correct? I sure did. And Ash, I think it was called Jane's Got a Gun? Yeah, Jane Got a Gun, yep. Jane Got a Gun, okay. I just made you think, Jamie's got a gun! Or yeah, whatever the hell I that song is. Yeah, I was that, yeah, when, I was, <laughs> when I was watching it too. I was like, ah. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't. All know. right. So, um, Mark, talk about Transfers 2. Okay, Transfers 2 takes place six years after Transfers 1. <laughs> um, our title character, uh, Mr. Tim Thomerson's Jack Death, uh, remains in, uh, I guess, uh, at the time it was like 1984 uh, or 1985 uh, because he couldn't go back into the future to his own body. So he, he's living his life with <laughs> Helen Hunt, who returns trying to protect Hap Ashby from getting killed by trancers and then disrupting the timeline in the future. <laughs> uh, so this one feels more full moony than the first one. Yeah. The first one was under the Empire Pictures banner. This one is full moon, uh, still directed, produced, and written by Charles Band. Um, what's surprising for, again, you know, a video stores booming at this time. Oh, yeah. But this film is six years after the first one, like a legit six years. Hmm. And... All the main characters are back. All the actors returned for the sequel. It's awesome. That blew me away. I did not <laughs> expect to see everybody back. Wow. Um, so Helen Hunt, this is, I think, a year before Man About You starts. So okay. I don't think she's in the third one. <laughs> I think you're very surprised. Right. Um, but we add uh, Richard Lynch is in this one. He plays oh, wow. uh, Whistler's brother, uh, E.D. Wardo, or Eduardo, which is <laughs> very <laughs> funny. Um, and as well, Megan Ward shows up to play Alice, Jack Death's dead wife, who for some reason, the cops in the future were able to go back in the past just before she died to bring her to the past to try to kill the guy who's going to kill her. <laughs> so... Oh wow! It's, it's a bit of a spaghetti, uh, a spaghetti plot where it, it it's very naughty, K N O T T Y, not N A G H T Y. I really dug this one. Uh, Jeffrey Coombs is in it as a uh, lackey of uh, of Richard Lynch's Eduardo, um, as well as Martine Beswick. Um, she is also known as. One of the generals that's she's in Return of the Living Dead 3 as one of the generals against the whole zombification, uh, trioxin, um, 
plan. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you'll understand. If not, it's coming out to Vestron Video very soon on Blu-ray. Um, but yeah, it's got a pretty decent cast on top of everybody coming back. Uh, Barbara Crampton's in this as well in the cameo. Um, I really, so far these transfer films, again, I'm only in film two of six. Yeah. I think I've peaked at number two. I'm afraid <laughs> I'm going to be uh, falling uh, clockwise down the drain after this. Um, that won't stop me. I'm going to watch them all. But yeah, I recommend, if you like Transfers 1, um, you'll like Transfers 2. I think I like it that much better than Transfers 1. Um, it's a smidge better, I think. Um, totally worth it. Tim Thomerson is awesome again as Jack Death. Uh, recommended. Watch it if you like Full Moon. Very good. Awesome. And, and Ash, go ahead and tell us about Jane Got a Gun. Okay, Jane Got a Gun stars um, Natalie Portman. Um, <laughs> complicated. Um, it's complicated, but it's not complicated. Um, her husband uh, is nearly killed uh, because he's actually wanted for uh, killing a couple of people. These couple of people, though, also happen to be wanted, but are part of a large gang, and they've decided to hunt her husband down now and finish and they kind of want her back too. Um, so she goes to find uh, the guy who be her fiance uh, before he went off to the Civil War and didn't talk to her for three years. So she assumed he was dead and left. Um, hmm. And uh, he ends up coming in to help her basically uh, defend the house and defend her husband uh, now uh, and kill all the, the bad guys. Um, and it's, it's a kind of a classic Western in that sense. Uh, but it's also very much a character piece, uh, because it, it more, I mean, there's a lot of gunfights. The gunfights are great. The, the actual gunfight at the end is fantastic. Um, you know, as far as that goes, but it's interesting, uh, Natalie Portman working it out, uh, Jane working it out with her fiance, uh, you know, what happened, went through and stuff like that. And them just trying to work it out so that they can actually coexist together long enough to beat this gang. Uh, it was interesting. Um, it, it, it's shot really well. Uh, a lot of, uh, great moments to it. Um, but it is more of a drama than an action film. Um, so, you know, kind of go with that. Uh, if you don't like Westerns, you probably won't. And it's got some good moments to it, but it has the very, it has a very Western um, I liked it. Uh, I give it three out of four stars. Awesome. Very good. All right. Yeah. And so I ended up watching Blood Rage. So I bought this Blu-ray, uh, from, which was released by Arrow Video recently. Um, and I've been really excited to watch it because mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of good things about it from a lot of trusted sources. So, um, Blood Rage starts off with, uh, twin boys at a drive-in movie with their mother and her boyfriend. Uh, the mother and the boyfriend think the boys are asleep in the back, so they start making out. Well, the boys wake up and sneak out the back, and for whatever reason, one of the twins finds a ha like a hatchet, basically. Um, he walks up to a car where these two naked teens are having sex. He stares at them until he's caught, and then he starts swinging away at the teen boy, killing him. Well, the other twin, like, he's watching the whole thing unfold from behind, um, and so the, the killer gives his brother the weapon and just starts rubbing the blood all over him, leading people to believe that the innocent twin was the murderer. So we then jump 
10 years into the future. So we're at 1984 now, still in Jacksonville, Florida, home of the one and only smarmy jerk face on Twitter. So yay. Um, and so then the, uh, the slasher film picks up. So one day the innocent twin escapes from the insane asylum and uh, that gives the murderous twin good enough reason to just start killing people. So then you got a pretty standard slasher film storyline from there on out. So this is a really good slasher. Um, the the final girl is actually a really great actress. And I was surprised to see that she never really went on to do anything else after this. Or not much, anyway. Um, the main killer playing both the twins, he does a great job uh, of finding like different unique quirks for each of the brothers. Um, and honestly, I thought it was played by a set of twins until the end when we get a very clear actor stand-in. You know, a guy wearing a wig um, as they're both on screen together. But... I mean, fans of 80s slashers are definitely going to enjoy this one. There's um, In the Arrow release, it looks great. Um, and there's actually three different versions of the film. Um, I ended up watching the one that was just entitled Blood Rage. So it was the original home video cut of the film. But there's another one um, that has a different cut and a different title. Um, and then the third cut is actually a mix of those two. Um, so I'm definitely going to give the other two versions a watch eventually because I want to see um, there's this one kill in particular that um, I'm inter- interested to see if it was cut for the home video release of it or if they um, just didn't film anything for it or what, because uh, it's the only kill that looked edited for content. So, you know, I just want to see if that was a choice, a, con- a bu- budget constraint or an edit to appease censors. But yeah, I'm definitely, I would definitely recommend Blood Rage. Um, I'm going to give it a solid three out of four stars. Uh, I think it's a great example of some of the good that came from that 80s slasher boon. So definitely check that one out if you haven't seen it. And so for next week, Mark had the brilliant idea of thinking ahead. And so we actually <laughs> were able to, to pick out films for the uh, the others. So um, this week, uh, I'm picking uh, a film for Mark. Mark is picking a film for Ash, and Ash is picking a film for me. So, Mark, I'll start with you. Um, I have a list, but I'm pretty certain you haven't watched this one yet, so I'm going to give this one to you. Okay. Um, Let me know if you've seen it. It's one of your recent pickups. Okay. Called The Sinful Dwarf. I did. Oh, my God. You did watch it? Ah, Yes, I did watch it. I didn't talk about it. We'll talk about it next episode. Okay. Um, Interesting. Um, Yeah. Now, I didn't watch, apparently, uh, the, the uh, Vinegar Syndrome release of it also had a, or, or was it Severin? I think it was Vinegar. I think that one was is, I don't think that one's Vinegar Syndrome. I okay. think it's Severin. It's Severin yeah. then. Um, apparently, there's also like a triple X version of it. Um, <laughs> so, I oh, not, wow. I did not watch that one. But it oh. was interesting. That dwarf makes the movie like, <laughs> creepy as fuck. It, it's awesome. When I mentioned I was going to watch it. Because um, I just watched like two, three weeks ago. Uh, okay. When I was going to watch it, people were like, oh, you'll need to have to take a shower after it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I watch it, and I'm like, I don't feel it was that bad. Like, it talks, yeah. it's, it's it's a human slavery, like sex ring and all that stuff, and people, mm-hmm. girls being held against their will, tons of nudity, um, tons of, I'm assuming, penetrative sex if there's a triple X version of it. Right. Um, but I, I, I liked it for what it is. And, you know, it's an yeah. exploitation flick. Um, I kind of want to watch the triple X version just to see how much more graphic it is. Well, doy, I guess it's very graphic, but, um, yeah, I kind of liked it and now I didn't love, love it, but I didn't hate it either. And I was kind of expecting I was going to hate it and I did it, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, 
<laughs> it's worth checking out. Like if you're able to uh, to order it online, uh, I think it's worth a pickup. So I didn't want to bust your bubble, but yeah, I just watched it <laughs> a few weeks ago. So I want to be honest when it comes to, to these uh, challenges. So yeah, unfortunately, I have to pick something else, dude. <laughs> All right, fine. So I have some other ones, but I'm, I'm going to try this one. Okay. Just because I happen to have recently acquired it as well. Okay. Another one of your recent pickups, this one from Vinegar Syndrome. Okay. Trashy Lady. Trashy Lady? I don't even remember that film. I'm, I'm looking at it on your Instagram as we speak. Trashy Lady. <laughs> so I know oh, you own it. That, yeah, that's a Ninja Lynn porn. Oh, you're for, oh, it's a, you forced me to watch pornography. No, please stop. Don't. Uh, uh, I don't. Okay. Uh, no. Oh, okay. I, okay. I get it. I get it. I'll watch it. I'll watch the movie pornography. Uh, yes, I will watch it. All right. Them. Well, I'm going to watch it with you because I own it too. So I'm, I, I'm, that's my commitment to you, sir. We should. We should I'm going to watch it as well we this week. We should do one of those like Facebook live videos. So we're watching us watching the film. <laughs> Maybe not. But we'll get some selfie sticks. We'll get a nice wide angle lens on it. <laughs> uh, good times but yes i will i will oh watch that God. i have bought it and the reason okay. why i need this media is to watch it um so i don't expect to be very scary but it should be titillating no damn right Trashy all right lady. so you're watching trash lady i'm gonna watch it too damn okay. it so mark what is ash watching um i'm looking at this list here they all sound like gems um i'm gonna go with pandemic very good. I know that film. I swear to God, I know that film because it was mentioned earlier, and I feel like I have seen it. I'm looking it up now. Yeah, I'm looking up two. Oh, good choice. Rachel Nichols is it? Oh, no, I've not seen Rachel this one. Rachel Nichols. That, I... I'm thinking oh, one of our oh, films. She was the, supposed to be the sacrifice in the Conan the Barbarian. Uh, she's also in... Um, one of the TV shows, Star Trek. Like, uh, no, well, I, she might have been. Yeah, she, she wasn't Star Trek. She's she a was green one of the girl. Orion slave girls. Yeah, she was one of the Orion oh, girls, and in, she's in Scarlet in GI Joe. Yep. Enough said. <laughs> Actually, Pat Healy's in it. Missy Pyle. Um, there's actually a really good cast. I bet this will be better than Trashy Lady. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you bite your fucking tongue. You're going to love it. <laughs> well, I know it will. I'm going to love it so hard. Oh, my, oh, so hard. This is why I like going off of my Netflix instant queue, though, for mine, because it's like crap that I will. It's like, you know, at least I had an inkling to watch as opposed to. Right. I'm exactly. I'm just going to buy this. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, but there's nothing like drunk, blind buying at Cinema Wasteland. Yeah. Oh, some of my favorite things to do. Just, you know, you, you, oh, you take a stack of eight Blu-rays. They'll only charge you for five of them. It's That's awesome. Good times. Good times. All right, Mark. So, or uh, Ash, rather, what am I watching? Oh, you. You are watching Deadpool, my friend. Yeah, one of the only two MCU films I actually haven't seen. Well, it's, it's, not yeah, it's, it's not an MCU. Yeah, it's not an MCU film, but yeah. It's, it's, well, it's X-Men the Marvel universe. film. Yeah. yeah. Right. From Marvel, I guess is what I... You're right. That's what I meant. But yeah. What's yeah, the other yeah. one? You have not watched... Uh, Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy. What? You haven't seen yeah, that? I haven't watched it. No. no. Oh, man. You got no, some good flicks released in released a trailer for the second one. Yeah. I will, I will not watch. I will not watch that. I want to be fucking surprised. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not watch it. Yeah. 
Awesome. So this is going to be a fun week. So Mark, <laughs> yeah. you're watching Trashy Lady. I'm going to watch lady. that with you. That's my promise to you. Yeah. Ash, you're watching Pandemic. Yes. And I am watching Deadpool. So it's going to be a hell of a couple weeks because we won't be recording next week, but we were recording again two weeks from probably today. Yes. So... All right, so that's going to be that for this week. So next episode, which again is going to be live two weeks from now on November 4th, we continue our space horror arc with a review of 2000's Pitch Black. Mm. As always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is that you might be listening to us. Positive reviews helps us reach a larger audience, so we really appreciate you taking the time to leave us a review. And thank you, as always, for taking time out of your busy day to listen to us ramble for a couple hours. So thank you, Mark. Thank you, Ash, for joining me again this week. It was awesome to get to talk with you guys again. Uh, it's feel, it felt like forever. So thank you, guys. It did. Glad that we're hands <laughs> back together. Hell yes. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah.